Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are in the right place for nonstop sports talk for the last next two hours in University City. Coming your way, Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, football, baseball, maybe hockey, definitely not hockey, Whoa. maybe hockey at some point. I will be yelling throughout the show, as will Daniel will. Woods. Fresh faces. What am I going to be yelling about? I don't know. We'll find out. You've got something to justifiably yell about. Listen, man, this is, this is hard for me. This is Jeopardy. Because this is not Jeopardy. I'm going to try to maintain a certain level of professionalism that comes with hosting this great show. And of course, thanks to all the great hosts that have come before us. Shout out Nick Severini, rest in peace. No one record. My Cardinals are playing in the NL wildcard game. Nick's not dead, he's just in New Jersey. I mean, that, 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 that's that, yeah. I don't even need to make that joke. Um, the Cardinals are playing in the NL wildcard game against the Dodgers. I will have that on my laptop, which means I will very loosely be following the rundown that I sent out to of all course. of us. So you're going to have to I help me out. I would expect no less from a professional broadcaster such as yourself. The fact that Ron Darling is doing color for this game makes me happy that I have the sound turned down. By the way, Hey-o. by the way, Matt Vashkersian and A-Rod, not good last night. For the Red Sox. Do we talk about how there were multiple professional broadcasters fooled by a ball that clearly did not leave the stadium? Not even close. I mean, off the seriously, off the bat, I thought it was gone. Sure. But like No the park. Body language, the way everybody was reacting to also, you were at the stadium. You can look up and see it. Stupid. I think see, no one's gonna come out and say this, especially since they lost. I think that bat was cracked. I th- I think that's why it didn't leave. But you're gonna say you thought that bat was corked. No, that's you're gonna start it, an investigation. If it was corked, then it would have gone out of the ballpark. We're gonna start an investigation here. But anyways, if I'm nervous, we're going to give you live updates, up to the minute updates of the Cardinals and the Dodgers. We'll talk a little baseball here at the end uh, for this marquee pitching matchup between 50 year old Adam Wainwright and 55 year old Max Scherzer. Uh, but to round out or start off the show, see, I- I'm already scatterbrained because I'm just watching what's going on on my screen right now. It's on TBS. What in the of course it is. But Red Sox, Yankees, ESPN, Prime. We get TBS. We're bookended by impractical jokers. I mean, what are we? Are, are we talking? Are we talking down on Turner Sports here? I, I, Ernie Johnson, I, I, not TNT, TBS. You know, this, I mean, Turner, this, Ernie's, Ernie's. This is a step. Ernie's employed by the entire organization. This is a step above the Home Shopping Network. This is a step. That's up, a stretch. This is a step above this game being on TBS. Twitch. Has Friends reruns. <laughs> I was going to say Practical Jokers. What else does TBS have going for it right now? This game. This is a AEW rampage. This, this is a step above being on Twitch with Mark Schoenster calling it. No offense to Mark Schoenster and his Twitch endeavors. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, the game will have already happened. So you're either very excited for me that my Cardinals won, or you're laughing to yourself that they got blown out. No in between. Uh, so or you're going to be posting this on images that preceded unfortunate events. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm not going to make a prediction. Um, all right. What's your prediction for the fight? Pain. Probably for Cardinal fans. They need to start showing that at WVU football games again. That they do. They haven't done that in years. They do. The the you know the Thor the Thor Hulk or no, Loki Hulk thing. Yeah. Funny once, second, okay. Let's put that one on the shelf for a while, especially since we're two and three. <laughs> hey. 
Uh, hey. sp- speaking, unfortunately, of underperforming I appreciate some Limp biscuit for the defense, though. Oh, true. Uh, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, which one was it? It was uh, Bulls on Parade. Yeah. Big fan of that one. Um, I was going to say, Called speaking personality. of... personality. <laughs> um, I was going to say, Is speaking... Is that going to be a rejoin later in the show? Stay tuned to find out. Speaking of mediocre football teams, Morgantown High School. That was going to be my oh. set underperforming football team. You know who else is two and three? Morgantown High School. Hey. Um, they pick up the win against Musselman. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to talk high school football Musselman, this week. Musselman, not good. Not good at all. Musselman. All right, so let's be realistic here, Daniel. Two and three, Morgantown High. Wheeling Park this week. Loss. Toss up at best. Yeah, toss up at best. Parkersburg, I think is a win. John Marshall, I think is a win. University, I think is a loss. Spring Mills. So basically, you, you're in control of your own destiny because the only game I think you wouldn't be favored in if we kept the odds was University. I don't think they're. they're I think they're very clearly not going to win that game. You're in control of your own destiny. Well, you're, you're in control of your own destiny because you're playing Class AAA where there's nine teams and there's 16 playoff spots. Yeah, exactly. To, to be exact, 29 and 16. So you can be four and six technically and make the playoffs. Yeah, now Morgantown happened. wouldn't be that team. Preston made the playoffs. I know. I did that game. Yeah. Oof. That did not go well for the Knights. That was 56 nothing at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> hey, could be worse. It was an 84 nothing final because they played with six-minute quarters in the second half. In I was, the playoffs. I was happy I did that game, though. Shout out to the Fighting Laura Wiggs. This is at Preston High. She went to West Preston. It was before consolidation. Oh. All right, we don't need Scandal. to. Scandal. Yeah. Um, so more, basically, our thoughts on Morgantown is you control your own destiny. If you continue underperforming. You also control your own density. If you continue underperforming, you will not make the postseason. Now that this is a banged-up backfield. Um, from what I understand, Roderick, Roderick Washington, uh, uh, Aldridge, and uh, Nutter, they just got back. So it's just a key about getting switch quarterbacks as well. They have switched quarterbacks. Sean Beiser has kind of doubled down well with the wing tee. They and what's I, I forget his name, and he ran for 140 Jared yards. Jared Lawrence. Yeah. They, they kind of were starting to open things up uh, in the passing game a little bit more because they had Maddox Bowers who could do it. And you went to one and three. And Sean Beiser said, I, I'm, I don't know this for a fact, but it looks like Sean Beiser came out and said to himself, you know, we're going into a spot where we're one and three, and we were starting to stray away from our principles. We were throwing the ball a little bit more. And he goes to Jarrett Lawrence, who had played wing back all year, and you put up an absolutely massive rushing number against Morgantown that I don't necessarily have in front of me. Lawrence had 214 rushing yards himself uh, from the quarterback position. Um, like you said, it's a banged up backfield uh, for Morgantown and, and Musselman. Like we said, it isn't great, but Lawrence goes for two fourteen. Johnson goes for ninety four. Nutter has twenty six. Like three hundred and fifty three rushing yards, two hundred and fourteen coming from your quarterback. I mean, that's that's pretty clear that something's going on there. Yeah. Um, so that's Morgantown High for University. They had their bye week. They're five and zero. They're playing. Uh, Albert Gallatin, which you would like to think intensive purposes is a win. Um, Buchanan, Upshur, and Preston definitely will be wins. Um, then they've got the Mohawk Bowl and then Oak Hill. So, uh, one word answer. 10-0 University is the blank seed in the playoffs. Three. I would agree with that. I think they're the third best team in the state right now. So do I. Uh, Clay Battelle, Hancock, Maryland, no. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, 41 zip at the end of the first quarter, and they just played with shortened quarters after that. Clay Battelle looks really good, but the quality of their opponents at times comes into question when the only team they've played uh, worth their salt right now is East Hardy. And, oh, well, Tigers Valley, to be fair, is a good win against Tigers Valley. And East Hardy, um, who's number one in class single A, uh, they head to Mass Nutton tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to make that trip. It's 3 o'clock on a Friday. The thing about Mass Nutton, 
it should be an easy win if you want my thoughts on it. But the thing about Massanutten is it's a, from what I understand, it's a military school, is it not? Well, yes, but they also have a pretty great prep basketball program. Yes, and at very times, good prep basketball program. At times, and I don't think this is the case anymore. Those players wander their way onto the football ah. field, so there's a chance that some raw athlete comes out and puts up 300 yards rushing there's on you, and you lose. That Massanutten's lining up Brandon Napper in the slot. Yeah, exactly. So that is a concern because their roster goes through a lot of turnover. Clay Battelle played them two years ago. Myself and Nick Severini did that game. Their number one receiver and their number one quarterback, which Ryan Wilson was scared to death of, did not make the trip to uh, Blacksville because they stayed at home to study for the ACT. That was the reason we were given. That's crazy. Student athlete. That's facts. That's Student facts. athlete. Oh, <laughs> I look down. This is crazy. I know we need to move on, and we'll get to Trinity because Trinity is where I wanted to spend the most of my time on. They put the opening graphic in, uh, you know, like the, the animate the bug. Animate uh, we, the bug. We, we've all been there. Uh, the, the, the score bug in the top left corner, and they lit up all three bases. So I looked down. And I was like, we've got the bases loaded as hey. Tommy Edmonds stepping into the batter's box to lead off the game. All right, um, Trinity, very quickly. Cameron, here's the deal. Don't hate me. I thought Trinity was going to get exposed. You know, it's number two against number four playoffs. Trinity hadn't played it's, a lot of games. Playoff ratings. Trinity yeah, yeah, played yeah. two games. They dominated them both. I thought, here's my thought, because Clay Battelle plays Cameron as well, and I was interested to see, you know, how good Trinity... My, my opinion was if Trinity would have kept it within 17, I would say that Cameron was beatable for Clay Battelle. Trinity does better than that. This game was scoreless at halftime, which yep. is insane against what Cameron does. I mean, they're spread offense. This is like, that's like holding... This is not an exaggeration. This is like holding a Dana Holgerson team scoreless in the first half. Trinity, was it tied at 13? It was 16-13. Trinity had a chance to kick the game-tying field goal just a little Trinity, bit out of range and went for it on fourth and two and didn't I'm, get it. I'm trying to think of what, what happened. It was, shoot, 16-13. Yeah. It was 16-13. And they had a chance to they kick. They were on the edge of field goal range and went for it and didn't get it. And then um, you're trying to – then it becomes when you're going to use your timeouts, whatever, and, right. and then they picked up a rushing touchdown that you know that was really deflating. So 22-13, to 13, to be fair to Trinity, may not be a fair scoreline. It probably right. should have just been a one-score game. So surely you had to like what you saw from the Warriors. Yeah. Um, they didn't really get the downfield passing game going, which was a concern. Uh, but that secondary for Trinity is very much mm -hmm. legit. Uh, you've got Levi Teets, Carmelo Kaniska, Brady Summers, your safeties. Who, who were outstanding in that 4-2-5. Corners with Kyle Knight and Ethan Jorge just blanketed guys all night. I mean, Cameron has athletes. They've got a quarterback in Colson Wechterman that can get them the ball, and they just completely took the passing game out of the equation. Isaac Ball is an outstanding single-A running back, but mm -hmm. he put the ball on the ground four times, and Trinity got it twice. So I think if Trinity can shore up some holes in the front seven, they were starting their third different guy at weak side linebacker in three weeks. Uh, so I think if you get some consistency in your front six in the four two five, you're in pretty good shape defensively. Like I said, downfield passing game wasn't great. weren't able to open a lot of holes for Levi Teets, but uh, you were able to manufacture points. You got a kick return touchdown. Uh, you got a short field because of a fumble recovery that led to your 13 points. Uh, so not a bad day at the office, but there's some things to work out. Certainly encouraging going into two very winnable games in the next two weeks. Having seen both teams, does Clay Battelle beat Cameron? Oh, yeah. All right. It's very winnable is what you said. Absolutely. All right, perfect. I would, I would say Clay Battelle has the ability to win that game by multiple scores. And that means the Clay Battelle series could potentially go 9-1. and one. By the way, Trinity, on the outside looking in, but has a chance to make the postseason as well. Some winnable games that need to come up for them. That's going to do it for our first segment, high school football, to lead off the show as we do so every week. 
Uh, when we return, we'll head to the world of college football. By the way, leadoff single for Tommy Edmond. The Cardinals are in business in the top of the first. We'll see if they make anything of it. Uh, when we return, we'll be joined by Liam Bellin and Logan Moore. You're listening to the Sports Page on 91.7 FM U92. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. <coughs> When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. This is Gordon Gee, and I am thrilled to be listening to U92. my life 
Welcome back into the sports page. 91.7 FM, U92. The Cardinals, first two base runners reach. Tommy Edmund via a single and then a walk to Paul Goldschmidt. And then Tyler O'Neill pops up into foul territory. Mookie Betts makes the play over the wall, catches it, and allows Tommy Edmund to tag from second to third. Questionable. Questionable decision there. It's the first inning, so you want to get the out. I mean, guy like me grabs that ball and throws him out of third, <laughs> but that's just me. All right, so Logan's here. That was Liam. You just heard Daniel. What's Liam his ball? Bellin with a hose in right field. Yeah. Yeah. Noted hose, Liam Bellin. All right, first pitch strike to Nolan Arenado, by the way, with runners at the corners, two outs, um, one out and, uh, in the top of the first well, in the wild card game. Opting in. Yeah, I know. Excited about that. All right, guys, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different like we did last week. We're going to take a look um, at all the remaining undefeated teams and decide whether or not we're buying or selling. Uh, but first, we're going to uh, talk about number one and number two, who I think if you didn't have the number one or number two, you should after the absolute smackdowns they put against top 12 opponents. Uh, top 17, excuse me. Um, with Ole Miss and Alabama, Alabama beats them 42-21. to 21. Uh, Surely late cosmetic touchdowns by Ole Miss, right? Because I remember that scoreline being a lot larger when I saw it last. Um, and then Georgia beating the death out of Arkansas. That was bad. We watched that live. Brutality. That, that, was, that was not number two against number 13. Georgia, we don't have to spend too much time on this, Logan. I guess we'll start with you because basically all we're talking about is how dominant both of these teams are. It doesn't really matter to me. Oh, my goodness, the Cardinals just got a run on a wild pitch. I'm here Woo! for it. Um, Georgia might have one of the greatest front sevens in the history of college football. They might have one of the greatest defenses in the history of college football. Now, the the reason I would say Alabama's better, I promise I'll let you jump in. Alabama, to me, seems as though they've got a quarterback that can make plays, a running back that can make plays. They've always got depth at receiver. I fear that Georgia isn't as dynamic from top to bottom as Alabama, but when your defense is that good, maybe it doesn't matter that much. I don't think it quite matters as much. I mean, I think it's interesting they won this game without JT Daniels just totally dominating um, you know, the line of scrimmage against Arkansas. 159 pass yards, that's between both teams. So Georgia's offense wasn't quite there through the air, but they were able to dominate through that front seven, like you said, Luke. I think they're so dominant. I think it's almost one of the situations where right? letting JT Daniels just kind of hang out, relax, and get ready for the college ball playoff or the SC championship game, yeah. and then give him a, a real shot against Alabama. Uh, so basically, just to put a bow on that, is before we look at our unbeaten's. Like I said, Daniel, I think there's they're one A and one B. Absolutely, uh, and I think they bring two very different things. Uh, if you told me ten years ago uh, that Alabama was going to be the premier offensive power in the nation, spreading the ball out, throwing it to multiple receivers, slinging it downfield. First of all, I would have said, I'm 10 years old. Why are you asking me about Alabama football? <laughs> but my second answer would have been, Classic. my second answer would have been, what are you talking about? Nick Saban for his entire career is going to put his quarterback under center. He's going to hand it off to a running back 25 times a game, and they're just going to run it down your throat. Uh, but at this point, Alabama is the offensive team in this equation and Georgia is your defensive powerhouse that is not going to give you an inch which is a very interesting uh, turn of events uh, for me in my opinion I think we're really going to see how full circle Nick Saban has gone when we get to the end of this season and and I'm almost positive these two teams are going to match up with each other barring some unforeseen circumstance where you're going to see if Nick Saban in that kind of situation is content 
to to just hunker down and turn it into trench warfare like he would have ten years ago. Uh, next point I want to make, I'll make a somewhat controversial statement, unfortunately, that I think we're all going to have to uh, reside to uh, before we take a look at our unbeaten teams. Cincinnati gets a big win against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, unfortunately, I don't think is going to finish this year in the top ten. That is not unfortunate, not one bit here. For unfortunate for Cincinnati, and my, my controversial statement is there's just no way, save just a ton of chaos, that the Cincinnati team makes the playoff. Georgia and Alabama are too good. Uh, Iowa... Or Penn State. I also see Oregon being a one-loss Pac-12 champion nope. coming in. I understand Oregon lost. Or a one-loss Pac-12 team. I don't know about that. I just don't see it for Cincinnati at this point. Indiana was a flop. I don't think Notre Dame is going to end up being as quality. I think Notre Dame is going to finish ranked you know, 20th. They need help. They need to. They, they do. Need, I don't think Georgia, I think Georgia's defense is too good to lose. I would say Alabama, I think there, there's a possibility there. The way they play football, if you could get into maybe a Mike Leach playing them in Mississippi State, but I don't, I don't try to outscore them. The only possibility for Cincinnati, where I'm going with this, is Alabama would lose in the regular season and then lose to Georgia yeah. in the SEC title game and have two losses. Mm. That's the only way I think Cincinnati would have the opportunity to get in. Joke's on you when it, I'm laughing all the way to the bank with my Wake Forest Cincinnati championship game. <laughs> Wake Forest is undefeated. I did look down and see that. Also, Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's not great, or Oklahoma State, I guess. That you could have a one-loss team out of the we Big don't have Twelve. To talk about that. okay. Well, my point is, I was thrilled at first when I saw that Oregon lost because the first thing I thought was that could be a guarantee for Cincinnati. But the Nittany Lions look great. Iowa looks pretty darn good. So there's a chance that one of those teams goes undefeated and one of those teams loses a game. You would need the other the other option, I guess, if Alabama might keep cutting in. But Alabama and Georgia both make the playoff. You would need a two-loss champion from the Big Twelve and probably a two-loss champion from the Pac-12. And the ACC not to get anybody in. Yeah, and that's then just you would have Big Ten too much. ACC and then Cincinnati too much. That's a lot to happen. I am, and not to mention there are people that are, there are idiots out there that think Ohio State's going to win out, and if they went out, they're in. I mean, they could. They could. They very much could. I am convinced at this point, from what I have seen, that the the Big Ten is going to devolve into cannibalizing chaos. They always by the way, do. I feel like the East, just the East itself. By the way, another thing, UCF isn't any good this year. So that's your one conference win that you can say, hey, pretty good team in our conference that we also beat. So your best win is going to be a Notre Dame team that I don't think is going to finish in the top 15. I just don't see it. Uh, segues to my next point, I guess, that Daniel, I guess, kind of alluded to already, so I throw it to him first. I promise we'll get you involved, Liam, is if not Oregon, then who in the Pac-12? That's, that's a great point. UCLA? Yeah. I mean, they don't look great. I don't love what I'm seeing out of them. Arizona State, Stanford, <laughs> no. <laughs> Oregon just State. beat Oregon. Dear Oregon heavens, State, no. Oregon State, Jonathan Smith, the Beavs. They got it going on. Bring right on there. the Beavs, not the Beavs. They put up forty-five on USC. Bring on the Beavs. Uh, Liam, any? Uh, hey, is that your I, I remember hyping the Beavs before the season. You did, yeah. I, I'll give you. I mean, we could. You're right. We you're could right. go back. I also hyped Cal, which we don't need to talk about. <laughs> but I, I'm I one was, for two. I was in on Oregon State. I was. I was in on Oregon State bowl eligible. I was not in on Oregon State putting up 45 on USC. Uh, but, I mean, the Beavs, the Beavs are in a position to make something but happen here. Oregon's going to beat Cal. UCLA then becomes your toss-up at USC? that point. to beat, uh, UCLA, excuse me, I apologize. No, what about USC, though? We could put USC. Yeah. They have a favorable schedule. Yeah. I was going to say Oregon yeah. is a favorable. California, UCLA, Colorado, Washington, Wash State, Utah, and then Oregon State to round out the year. 
Why can't that team run the table? I know they're not. Because it's there. Oregon and they're going to do something stupid. But uh, so you're, are you saying that you think it's the Pac-12 and they're going to do something stupid? Do you think there's going to be a two-loss Pac-12 champion? Then is that what you're saying? Yes. All right. I'm I'm fully believing in that. I'm not saying I disagree with. I mean, I guess I am. Kind I of think I'm honestly the most likely scenario that we're going to see is UCLA beats Oregon and then UCLA does something stupid and loses later in the season. Not ideal for the Pac-12. It's not a good look for the Pac-12. <laughs> if there was ever a year. And then they'll get the brakes beaten off of them in the Rose Bowl by the second best team in the Big Ten that's like one loss to a playoff team, presumably Iowa or Penn State. Am I right in saying Purdue. that <laughs> whatever that team is, a one loss Pac-12 team gets in over an undefeated Cincinnati? It's an interesting conversation <laughs> to have. Pac-12? I'd rather have Cincinnati. If it's especially if it's Oregon, because I, 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 we all want Cincinnati. If it's Oregon well, if, with a, if it's Oregon who State, has a win Ohio over Ohio State, State yes. Yeah. But then if it's anybody else, no. no. I was gonna say if it's somebody that beats Oregon, but it's not gonna be Stanford. I don't know. We're twisting ourselves into knots, so we just need to move on and take a look at uh, the unbeaten teams. Uh, we're gonna look at all the undefeated. Obviously, not all of them can go undefeated. In fact, all of them could not go undefeated, with the exception, like we mentioned, Georgia of Alabama. I think it would be shocking if one of those two did not. Uh, by the way, shout out to the AAC and undefeated SMU and Cincinnati. If uh, anybody wants to give those teams love, or Wake Forest, who is five and zero, the claw fence, <laughs> Sam Hartman, yeah, uh, at, at the top of that, Quarry Robertson in the ACC, and of course Robertson. Pitt. Shout out to uh, no, let's not. But we don't need to go there. <laughs> I've heard a lot about it from my Pitt friends. You know, Kenny uh, Pickett is staying in the Steel City. Yeah, I mean, he's better than the current quarterback there for the Steelers, but. Kenny Pickett no. might be QB1 in this draft. Yeah. No. <laughs> Who God. else is there? He's I, like 28. He's got all the experience in the world. He's got the he's well, got if the we're drafting experience, and Jared Daigie's going one overall. No, uh, he's got to be older than Daigie. Is, is Kenny Pickett over Kenny the Jared Pickett Daigie? is not young. He's been around for an eternity. I know. Eternity. All right. Well, it's Daniel looked at that. Also, Kenny Pickett, is the, Kenny Pickett, despite being from New Jersey, is the most yinzer quarterback I have ever that's seen in they, my that's, life. That's why they love him. He needs to be he's a going, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, even if he's the backup. Liam, would you rather have Malik, would, would you rather have Malik Willis in the first round or Kenny Pickett in the second round as a Steeler fan? A second round pick? I'd rather have Willis. Okay. But yeah. you just said... Oh, it was you that said he could be the I first quarterback. Not, All right, would you rather serious. have would you rather have Malik Willis in the first round or Kenny Pickett in the third round? It's still too high. Okay, Willis, yeah. Kenny Pickett's like a fifth round pick. Yeah. I was all right. Get get us I was back. Not being serious. Get us back on track, Logan. Big Twelve: Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, both five and zero. Oh. Uh, for sake of the fact that the conference, like we've said from the uh, shout out to Pitt uh, in Kenny Pickett's bio, listing him as an All America candidate, as if that is. I, are we all all America candidates? Because yeah. we are all all America. All right. It's like Tony Mathis is an all America candidate because he's on a Power Five roster. Um, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, for the sake of the fact that this conference isn't any good, uh, you could say that those two could run the table, but they both look shaky. Are you buying either of those teams, Logan, finishing undefeated? Let's say for the sake of the Big Twelve in the regular season. Can he no. pick it as twenty three? How old is Jared Deggy? Twenty three. One moment, please. I would say no. I would say my logic here is weird. Oklahoma's not good enough to beat Texas. Oklahoma State's not good enough to beat Oklahoma. That's a good point. I so actually I, I agree with think that. Oklahoma, their offense, I think since they made that change, Texas, Steve Sarkeesian to Casey Thompson, they're averaging over 50 points a game. I think they'll outscore uh, Oklahoma this week. I think Spencer Rat will be outplayed by Casey Thompson. On that point, I think Oklahoma will lose to Texas, at least lose to Texas, but I think Oklahoma State isn't as talented as Oklahoma. 
So I don't think either one of them uh, will run the table. Uh, I, I think I would tend to agree with you there, Liam. I guess I'll go to you next. Oklahoma State, obviously we need Spencer Sanders to be what we thought he could be or Spencer Rattler. I, I know it's more than just the two QBs because we talked about Oklahoma's defense looking probably better uh, than it has in this Lincoln-Riley era over the last couple of years with what they've been able to do. But I, I would agree with Logan. I don't see either of these teams going undefeated. Yeah, I agree. But even in the circumstance that they do, uh, just an interesting thought that I, I kind of had. You know, if if I feel like... Oklahoma for the brand, very easy to put into the playoff there every year to get smacked around. Yeah. But if Oklahoma State goes undefeated and Cincinnati goes undefeated, I mean, what do you think? Cincinnati's got better quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, obviously, you'll have... Wait, did a, repeat that. If they both uh, go undefeated? Yeah. If Cincinnati Oklahoma State and, Oklahoma State and Cincinnati both win their titles and go undefeated. Oklahoma State's in Power 5 Conference. Yeah, there's no shot. It's... No I mean, A G5 is not getting in over a P5. Undefeated. A one loss. Again, like we said, a one loss. Please turn this double play to end the inning, darn it. Um, I, I mean, we, we're talking about Notre Dame being Cincinnati's best win if Oklahoma State and Cincinnati, like you said, in this hypothetical, both run the table. What is each team's second best win? It would be in conference play. Exactly. Boise, Boise State for Oklahoma State. Boise by one, or by point though. Texas yeah. or Baylor or whatever team yeah. in the Big Twelve ends That's up ranked. I don't think they're gonna out, but for Oklahoma State, it's but it's, yeah, you're right. That's why they wouldn't be undefeated. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Oklahoma State's talented enough. I'm to not beat. saying Oklahoma State's gonna run the table, but no, to answer what I'm saying, yeah, to that, answer Liam's that, hypothetical. In that now. hypothetical, if you are on the College Football Playoff Committee and you are looking at just simply at data points, the second best win for Oklahoma State is almost assuredly going to be better than the second best win for And the third, Cincinnati. and the fourth, exactly. and the fifth. That's what I'm saying. It's just but more now fun. We know a one-loss yeah, no, Oklahoma would beat a undefeated Cincinnati, but what about a one-loss Oklahoma State versus the undefeated Cincinnati? Depends on who the loss is to. Mm-hmm. If you beat Oklahoma, I, I think that you're having a, a conversation. If the loss is to Oklahoma. The loss is to West Virginia. No. <laughs> it beat West Virginia at West <laughs> Virginia. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think we're buying uh, an undefeated Big 12 champion, which – Obviously guaranteed, I think, would make the, uh, the college football playoff. One of the rankings that, – actually, I mean, that's not Week a eight. – Week 8? Yep. Week 8, okay. That is also the smartest thing anyone in the sport of college football has ever done, which is not put a ranking out until Week 8. The yeah. fact that we get an AP poll after one game and people freak out about it is you need insanity. You need to have it, but you're right, it's overhyped. Well, you need to have it because people have had it for 100 years. Yeah, well, people kind of need to know – the average fan needs to know what game is worth tuning. I, That's fair. But you're right. People over. All right, uh, Liam, we'll go to you next because it's your conference, the Big Ten. Michigan is undefeated. Hello. Penn State's undefeated. We watched them beat the pants out of uh, uh, Indiana. Indiana. I was going to say Maryland. Uh, yeah. Uh, Iowa beat the crap out of Maryland. Spencer Petrus actually looked like a good quarterback for a change, which makes Iowa as dangerous. If Spencer Petrus is giving you the numbers he did against Maryland, I understand it's a bad Maryland defense, then they're 1A, 1B, and 1C with Georgia and Alabama. I think that's undisputable. Uh, obviously, Spencer Petrus is not quite there. I mean, I don't know. We'd have to see. Three of these teams are undefeated right now, Liam. Uh, not all three of them can be. Yeah, and I mean, this weekend is Penn State traveling to Kinnick. I will say, Spencer Petrus, uh, I will put my life on the line that he will not perform how he did no. against Maryland against <laughs> Penn State secondary because it has been very good this year. Uh, the problem that I have uh, with that one is, you know, if Iowa can establish the ground game, uh, 
that will be tough to do uh, with the Penn State front seven. Really, that defense has been absolutely unreal this season. Another shutout or first of the season. Did they shut out Villanova? I think they did. Uh, but first Big Ten shutout. I mean, you shut out Indiana for the first time since 2005 or something. And injured their quarterback. They were shut out. Yeah. Yeah, Penix was getting tossed around like a rag doll. Separated shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Which he one? Lo- well, he looked hurt all. Throwing. He looked hurt all game. He's to be he's honest. done indefinitely. Yeah, uh, which sucks for him. That brings on the Jack Tuttle experience, baby. It was very hard to watch against Penn State, but uh, again, it's just uh, with with that game, you know, there's going to be uh, if you need to establish the run if you're Penn State, and that really needs to move forward that's got to be your point of emphasis because if you want to get to a point where you know i think penn state this year can beat ohio state yeah what i don't think they will but (laughs) if you go ahead and do that you you know you uh, theoretically if you make the playoff and you get to georgia and you can't run the ball against villanova and you expect to go into georgia and you'll get slapped around you know so the thing about the unbeatens, I think, uh, like Daniel said before, I think the Big Ten East, because these three teams that are listed are in the East, Not will to play cannibalize themselves. You know, it's a very Penn State thing to do to be undefeated and then go to East Lansing the last week of the season and lose. They've done it before, not undefeated, but having very good seasons and lose there. And you never know, Michigan's not the whiteout this year. Obviously, it's still a big game at Happy Valley, but – you know, they look good on the ground. Uh, they could go out and, and make, you know, create some upsets. I mean, I'm not saying they'll beat Ohio State, so I don't, I don't think that will happen. But, you know, Michigan State is kind of a wild card. Mel Tucker's had a really good year with them. So I'm really excited to see how the Big Ten's going to play out. Um, but I'm very uncertain because, again, every part of me wants to say, you know, Penn State can do this and do that. But you look at the schedule, and again, it's these un- all these undefeated teams that we're talking about, and in Columbus, and at Iowa. So it's like, well, I mean, Iowa is one of the yeah. Teams, I, and and speaking of schedules, Logan, the if Iowa wins this game, then somebody needs to get fired if they don't go undefeated because after that is Purdue, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. Uh, so until the Big Twelve, the undefeated regular season should be the goal, not not. Should be expected, at least, if, if you win this game against Penn State. Absolutely. I mean, I think if they get through Penn State this weekend, like you said, Luke, they're going to go undefeated um, and, and then match up with whoever comes out of the East, um, you know, the Big Ten East. I, I think I, I'd be a terrible bold take person if I didn't uh, keep going. I've ridden with Michigan all year long. I'm going to have to keep going with all them right. and say it's Michigan all the way. And I do think Michigan's run game is the best in the Big Ten. I think it's legitimate this year. I really do. I think it's legitimate. I think Kay McNamara – might be playing the best quarterback play of anybody that's played under Jim Harbaugh. Um, so I, I think I think it's going to be Michigan all the way. I don't know who wins that matchup in the Big Ten championship game. I'm still going to leave with Michigan because uh, I think they run the ball so well. Um, but I'm actually – I'm going to pick Penn State for this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think Penn State will win. But they will, like we keep saying, cannibalize themselves. Well, end up losing to an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Michigan State. Michigan's next big – Games two weeks from now when they take on Michigan State. So, oh, by the way, another one of the unbeaten's in the Big Ten. I'll tell you one team though that they have a, they match up with them this weekend and Iowa's it's their Iowa's last game is is Nebraska. I think Nebraska got off to a bad start. 
but they thumped Northwestern last weekend. They, they kept Oklahoma close. Um, who else they play? Played someone they kept pretty close. So I don't think they're as bad as people. I know we, we rag on Scott Frost a lot here. Um, but I don't think they're as I, bad. I big anti Scott Frost. I think it was show. the big loss week one to yeah Illinois. 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 That was yeah, that, that was bad. Illinois is terrible. This Not year. Exactly yeah, when bad. you when you get your rear kicked up and down the field by freaking Burt Bielema on week one, you're you're gonna get some vitriol coming back at you. But I agree with a lot of what Logan has to say. I mean, you've got a just a crabs in a bucket kind of situation where I, I envision these teams just pulling each other down one after another as they try to climb up and, and raise their heads up above each other. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting going forward. Like Logan said, I think Nebraska poses some challenges to Michigan, uh, and I think obviously the, the eyes of college football are going to be uh, in Iowa City this weekend, and I think you're probably going to see the tone set for the rest of the Big Ten slate uh, with this game on Saturday. Does a two-loss Big 12 champion coming out of the East make the playoffs over Cincinnati? Big Ten champion, you mean? What did I say? Big 12. Big 10. Big 10. Coming out of the East. Having beaten two of the four of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. And then Iowa in the Big 12 championship game. That's difficult. I don't think so. You don't think so? They would have to beat. They'd have to have the right losses. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess. So, like, say Penn State loses. No offense, Liam. Say Penn State loses to Iowa this weekend and then loses at Ohio State. That's two, and then comes back and beats Iowa. So you beat Iowa in the championship game. You beat Michigan. You beat Michigan State. You have you would have to be Iowa's second loss. That would have to be Iowa's second loss. Is if you beat them in the Big Ten championship. Oh, I see what you're saying. For for Iowa not to be one of those teams. One loss Iowa gets in over a two loss East champion, and both can't. But like for Penn State's example, if they lost that, this weekend, they couldn't lose to Ohio State. They'd have to beat Ohio State. It's too big of a win. They can yeah. afford to lose to a Michigan or Michigan State, but they'd have to have that Ohio State win to get in. I think if it was if they lost to Ohio State but beat the two Michigan teams, I don't think they would get in. Okay, I, I love to play the hypothetical game. But I understand and we're a long ways going away. Going off of that point, Daniel made a good point by saying if it was Iowa's first loss, they would get in. Ohio State didn't even win the division in 2016 and got in the playoff. It's true. Penn State beat them. That was their only loss of the season. It was an upset. And again, they didn't so they didn't win the conference because they didn't even play in the tournament or in the <laughs> conference championship. So uh normalized college football <laughs> championship tournament. Yeah, Sixty four so. team tournament, make it happen. <laughs> um uh, we'll push forward now into the Independence BYU five and zero. Any love for them finishing in the top ten if they go into well they would finish in the They're top going ten. They're going to feed the top ten, yeah. What are your thoughts on BYU? I like BYU. I don't think that they are a playoff caliber team by any means. I think they've got a lot of talent. I think they are similar to your Coastal Carolinas of 2020, where they're they're very good. They have a lot of ability. They play a very fun style of football, but I don't see them as a playoff team. I okay. see them as a team that, like you said, finishes top 10 if they run the table. Let me make the argument then. You beat a ranked team in Arizona State. If you beat boys, if you run the table, if you beat boys, he's a quality win. Yeah. You beat Baylor if Baylor's ranked at the time. Well, Washington State, Virginia, I don't, yeah. You beat USC. Let's say USC is the top 40 by the time that team comes. I don't why is there, but well, my point is, why is their schedule better or, or worse than Cincinnati's? It's not. Okay. Idaho State Bengals on November 6th. Of course. My My issue with that is you are hinging your hopes on interim coach USC being good mm-hmm. and Baylor being good. 
which sure. I don't necessarily... Both of those teams could very well finish in a position to be in a bowl game or better. Uh, but I don't envision those wins necessarily outweighing Notre Dame and Indiana on Cincinnati's schedule. Okay. Anything to add to that, Logan? No, I mean, I think they're going to defeat it. Um, like I said earlier, I think it's whether or not, you know, they make a good ball game or not, I think it's pretty impressive to lose the number two overall pick in the draft this past year and have such a high quality of a program to stay undefeated the next year, uh, playing some tough opponents like Baylor, um, you know, USC, teams like that. So I think it's pretty impressive. All right, by the way, we'll give love to undefeated Wyoming before moving on. We talked about Georgia and Alabama and the SEC. Cowboys. We watched Kentucky play a heck of a football game, much to the dismay of the people that were behind us in Saberton State. No free ads! Okay. All right. Uh, there's some very agitated fans when we try to change the television to the Penn State game. Uh, Kentucky's not going to go undefeated, but I, I feel like this is – go ahead, Liam. I mean, it was a former Penn State quarterback that beat him as well. Look, at Will, look at Will Levis. Levis, dealing. Um, No love for this team going undefeated, surely, but I think it bears mentioning that they're second in the division that features Tennessee and Florida and South Carolina. Uh, Missouri's terrible, to get me wrong, and Vanderbilt's here as well, but – Shout out. Thanks Wildcats. for showing up, Vanderbilt. Go Wildcats. Um, uh, anything to add on this team? To be honest with you, I hadn't paid any attention uh, to Kentucky before we watched them play. Will Levis throws for 87 yards in that game. You love that. Uh, what did he rush for? Uh, Will Levis ran, rushed for 21 yards. <laughs> That's not great. Uh, Emory not a, Jones not a great day at the office had for 100 for, yards. For the had, Lev man. Had multiple chances first and goal. In fact, I think there were five downs on goal because yeah. there was a penalty there was in there a penalty as well gave him a first down. and couldn't tie the game. Uh, so just shout out to the Wildcats. Anthony Richardson, he's right there. Dan Mullen, he's right there. I think Kentucky's going to be 11-1. I think they'll lose to Georgia, but I think they'll win out. So if, yeah, if, you go, if you're Kentucky, go 11-1 and one and make a uh, New Year's six ball. That's not a bad that not is bad. not bad. That's not a bad season. People talk about Luke Fickle never leaving Cincinnati. If you're Mark Stoops, why would you ever leave Kentucky? So you've got Why the, would you ever leave Kentucky? So I'm looking at the upcoming schedule, they got LSU, then you lose to Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Mexico State, Louisville. Yeah. I think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, your toughest, your toughest non-Alabama game is LSU. Yeah. So that's, yeah, your chance to decide whether or not you're going to be a one-loss team. That's crazy. Crazy things happening in the SEC. Uh, I think that's it, right, for undefeated teams? We didn't talk about Wyoming. Oh, we didn't talk about Coastal. Any love for Coastal? <laughs> Grace McCall, baby. Love the McCall piece. Arkansas State. Jenny Chadwell, next App Coastal State, Troy. Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Texas State, South Alabama. So, yeah. Uh, undefeated, surely, but uh, I'm sure they can do their own UCF National Championship banners if, if that's what it comes to. But undefeated Coastal Carolina finishes. Logan, what rank? 17. Whew. Harsh, Liam. Uh, I was going to say 18. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say like 14. I was, was going to say realm. like 12, 13. Typically, now, it's it would be unprecedented because you would have a Cincinnati or a BYU ranked higher, but I, I say that generally because the playoff committee usually throws the highest ranked uh, group of five team a bone and bumps them a few spots, it seems. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's going to do it for this college football segment. When we return, we'll take a look at the upcoming games. Uh, play the coach's hot seat game. That's always fun. We got Liam in here. I think this is Liam's first time. We'll guess some tickets as well. Um, by the way, one nothing Cardinals, top of the second with a runner on first and the pitcher at the plate. Uh, one out. You're listening to the sports page at 91.7 FM, U92. 
The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Where your ass was at, dog, when wasn't feed me. Where your ass was at, dog, F words, F words, F words. This is a PSA that after 10 p.m., you may hear certain explicit songs on the moose. Be aware of what you're listening to, because you might hear something between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. that sounds like this. I ain't never ran from nothing but the police. From the city where the skinny carries strong heat, Nerfside, Long Beach, Nerfside, Long Beach. Stay smart on the moose. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Year two of Mountaineer Soccer under Dan Stratford can be heard all season long on U92. Tune in 30 minutes before every home game and select road games as we bring you comprehensive coverage of the Mountaineers on the pitch. U92 is also the only place for talk sports radio dedicated specifically for men's and women's soccer. Find the kickabout with host Liam Bellin every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. 91.7 FM presents Mountaineer Soccer Live, a service of U92 Sports. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears without crying. Now I want to understand. Back here live, the sports page, 91.7 FM, U92, the Moose. I am a nervous wreck. The Cardinals are up 1-0 on the Dodgers. I believe that game's going to the bottom of the second inning. Uh, so, gentlemen, we're going to round out this segment with our usual weekly games. But before we do that, I'd like you each to pick a matchup that intrigues you from this upcoming slate of college football. In my opinion, this is the weakest allotment of games so far as we enter week six. Uh, but, Daniel, I will begin with you. Which matchup of preferably a top 25 team and somebody else is catching your eye? I'm looking at Red River, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas. This game is at the Cotton Bowl. This is honestly 
probably a battle for the soul of the Big 12 this year, where if Texas wins this game, they put themselves in the driver's seat along with Oklahoma State, who would be the last undefeated team left in the conference. Um, I think we're really going to see what both of these teams have offensively, uh, simply put, because Spencer Rattler has been fine. He's He's been good. I will say he's been good. Uh, but he hasn't been put into a pressure cooker like this uh, so far this season. Same goes for Casey Thompson, who continues to prove that he should have just been starting from the beginning of the year. I don't know what the whole Hudson card deal was, uh, <laughs> but Casey Thompson has has proven that he should be the guy moving forward for Texas. And then Bijan Robinson is insane. He's he's absolutely insane at the running back position. We talked about it before the before the season started on this show that this may be the year for Heisman running back. Sean Robinson is is staking his claim to that. Uh, he's at 650 yards and seven touchdowns through five games. Uh, if he comes out and has a Heisman moment against Oklahoma, he probably turns into my pick if he isn't already. Uh, so uh, this will be interesting. If Oklahoma loses, uh, you run into a spot where you might be looking at no Big 12 team in the playoff. If Oklahoma wins and does it convincingly, I start to buy the Sooners a little bit more. So obviously weird things happen in big rivalry games. Weird things happen at neutral sites. You're getting that uh, for you're getting both of those, I should say, in this game. And you're getting two teams uh, that at 38 and 43 points per game uh, look like actual Big 12 offenses that we get, grew accustomed to in the early 2010s as opposed to what we've seen the last few years. Logan? I'm going to go with Notre Dame going down to Blacksburg and playing Virginia Tech on Saturday night. I think uh, Notre Dame's still going to be reeling from that loss to Cincinnati, uh, kind of ruin their playoff hopes. I think they're going to a hostile environment down in Blacksburg. Um, I think Lane Stadium's going to be rocking on Saturday night. I think uh, I think I think Virginia Tech's going to pull the upset. All right, love that, love that. Logan one for two on major upsets, by the way. So. This it's, it's it's more Stradamus. We're gonna start calling him if this <laughs> if this one hits. Liam, uh, for me, taking a look at another big SEC West game, Arkansas Ole Miss. You know, thirteen seventeen, one of the better ranked matchups of the week, obviously. And both of these teams need to respond after uh, you know getting whooped in their respective <laughs> games last week. So uh, between these two, you know, KJ Jefferson and Matt Corral should be fun to watch. Uh, you know, we are, I'd say, big fans of Corral on this show. I think Ole Miss will come out on top and get their first conference win at home. But I think Arkansas will put up a solid fight, and I think it'll be a fun one to watch. Who's the best team in Arkansas's division? Alabama. Alabama. Uh, I'm sorry, the second best team. My point was Arkansas. Yeah. So we, or we, Ole Miss. We mentioned the it's one uh, of these two teams. The winner of this game could be that Ohio State then that gets in with the one loss. I don't know. There's just too many hypotheticals. That requires to not losing that game 37 nothing. You're talking about Arkansas. Yeah. Have you okay, well, then what if Ole Miss wins? I mean, they kind of got run I off the field, too. I think this is more about the future of the programs. Who responds better? I agree. Who responds better? If Arkansas responds and wins out, okay, they look pretty good moving forward. If Ole Miss responds moving forward, Matt Corral can still win a Heisman. And they could, you know, moving forward. And they get drafted by the Steelers. That's right. All yes. right. They still both have to play Auburn, right? Yeah, but like, Auburn. I think Auburn's a bit overrated. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I mean, I agree. Auburn, I'm just saying, Auburn if you go to Auburn. might be led to the slaughter this weekend against Georgia. That's a good point. 
Um, all right, guys, we will conclude the college football segment as we do every week with a series of games. I'm going to have to not, I'm going to have to exit full screen for TBS, so I'm not going to know what's going on in the wild card game. So we're going to have to do this quickly as we move on to the coach's hot seat game. Now, I'm going to try to explain the rules because I need to make it interesting so nobody can Full cheat. disclosure, he told me he came up with a new format for this game, and I am scared. Yeah. So if I, if, how I explain this doesn't make sense. We'll just go back to the way we were always doing it, but here's what I want to do. We're going to call this Coach's Hot Seat Golf. Golf. L- lowest score wins. So, for example, Daniel's going to get the chance to go first. Each of you will give four guesses. It's to guess the Coach's Hot Seat. For those of you unaware, it ranks the top 30 most likely to get fired coaches in college football right now. This was a gift to us by Nick Severini. Daniel will get the first guess as to what that coach is. He's going to say John Smith. John Smith is number three on the Coach's Hot Seat. Daniel gets three points. You want the lowest score. If you guess number 30, you get 30 points. If you guess somebody that's not in the top 30, you get 40 points because there's really no other way to quantify that. I'm going to take Neil Brown off the board just for the sake of Mountaineer fans. He's moved up to 17. It's concerning. That is concerning. All right, so Daniel, I'll begin with you. You need to guess somebody in the top 30. Higher you possible on the list right. is in closer to single digits, and the lowest score will win. I will start with Scott Frost. Scott Frost, believe it or not, is not number one anymore. He's number four. So okay. Daniel, with a solid four, gets us going. And this is going to take a while because I have to look through this whole list to find okay. these people. Are you keeping score? I'm keeping score. Okay, I don't need to keep my own score. Nice. Logan. I'm going to say Jeff Scott, USF. That's number one. He's up to number one. Jeff Scott, number one, on wow. Coach's Hot Seat. Liam. Uh, I'll go with Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz, number six. Not bad, guys. First round through, all in the top ten. Uh, four guesses for each of you. If this, so, Daniel, we'll go back to you. Jeff Brom, Purdue. Jeff Brom, number three on the coach's hot seat. Daniel, two guesses in, has seven, a respectable seven. Je- uh, yeah, you, you, you said, uh, by the way, Jeff Brom of Purdue. I'm sorry, I forgot you said he's cool. Logan. This is where things get tense. Dino Babers. Dino Babers, number five, head coach of Syracuse. Logan has 11 points through the first two rounds. I'm sorry, you have six. I put you on Liam. There you go. You have six. One point ahead of Daniel. Liam. Where is... uh, Where is... This is not going to be a good one. Where is Justin Fuente at? Justin Fuente, hang on, hang on, hang on. Justin Fuente is 26th, okay. Virginia Tech. That's about what I expected. I'm just kind of... It's all right. Liam, all picks have been on the board so far. Liam has 32. Daniel has 7. Logan has 6. Daniel, back to you. This is where things get interesting. Yeah, this is where this is where the this men become boys. Boys become men. That's what um, I meant to say. You know... Oh, Walt Bell. Walt Bell, number 2. Daniel Woods having himself a day. That's I Walt almost, Bell of UMass, by the I way. I almost just went with a safe pick, and then I re- remembered Walt Bell. All right, Daniel with a very solid two there. Logan, you gotta get, you got to stay in the top ten to keep the pressure on him. We've gotten one, two, and three, by the way, and Jeff Scott, Walt Bell, and Jeff Brown. Wow. We also have number five and number six, Dino Babers and Manny Diaz, and number 26, Justin Fuente. Uh, Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, standby, is not in the top 10, is not in the top 20, is not on this list. Oh, Oh, Logan. Soiled it. That's a 40 on the board for Logan. Yeah. 
Liam, need a strong one here. Yeah. Uh, we went, because uh, I'm quite forgetful. <laughs> we went Tom Arth, Akron. Uh, no, we did not. Okay. Do you want to go with Tom Arth? Yeah. He's number nine of okay. Akron. All right, Daniel, you can uh, put this one out of reach here with the top answer here. Jeff Collins. Jeff Collins is the board pick. Not in the top ten. He has to be on there. I'm looking. Don't tell me he's outside the top thirty. He was number six two weeks ago. Okay, I, I skipped him. I apologize. <laughs> I was about number to fourteen. Say, Jeff Collins of Georgia. I was to say Tech. beating North Carolina does not do that much for you. Georgia Tech. Daniel probably sealed it there. But let's see if we can uh, narrow the battle. Seth for Luttrell. Seth Luttrell. That's a good one. Is definitely on the list. I saw him. He's number seven of North mm. Texas. Should All right, Liam. Should have got out while the getting was good, Seth. West Virginia almost hired him. He, he was, was in the conversation. He was in the conversation. He was in the conversation. Did I hear Butch Davis? You did not hear Butch Davis. All right, let's see. Butch Davis. Number 12, FIU. All right, so if my quick maths uh, will not fail me now, that's 32 plus 9 is 41, uh, 51, 53. So Daniel Woods runs away with this edition of Coach's Hot Seat Golf uh, with 25 points. And then you two both tied with 53 points. Top 10, Jeff Scott, South Florida, Walt Bell, UMass, Jeff Brom, Purdue, Scott Frost, Nebraska, Dino Babers, Syracuse, Manny Diaz, Miami, Seth Luttrell, North Texas, Mike Norvell, Florida State, uh, Tom yeah. Arth, Akron, Doug Martin, not Muscle Hamster, of New Mexico State. Any disagreements with the top 10 from Coach's Hot Seat? Nah. We all forgot Mike Norvell. I wanted to say Norvell, but I don't know. I didn't. I choked. By the way, oh, Jake Spavadol's 13th on here, by the way. Um, is Scotty Montgomery on there, Tulsa? I don't Because they're see one and that. four, but they've been doing like weirdly thing, weirdly good things with Power 5 teams. I do not see him. By the way, if I'm correct, Neil Brown's the only Big 12 coach on this list. That's not good. Dana's uh, 22. All right, uh, for sake of time, we got the NFL segment coming up next. Next game, of course, is guess the cheapest tickets of the top 25 game this week. Uh, if you guys Google college football, that's the easiest way to see the games without seeing the prices. So that's what I would recommend. Uh, just shout them out. There's two within $2 of each other, and those are the only ones, if I'm correct. I'm sorry, there's three within $2 of each other, and then the rest are more expensive. But number one is? SMU at Navy. No. Temple at Cincinnati. No. Okay. I'm sorry, did you say ranked? Yeah. yeah top 25. 25. Vanderbilt at Florida. No. Wait, wait, what about New Mexico, San Diego State? Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State. It is Coastal Carolina and Arkansas State. Ooh. You can get into that game on Thursday night, which is tomorrow. Why would you? Because the men's national team is playing, and we've got Thursday night football. Uh, for $9, you can also get in to watch Wake Forest Wake, at Syracuse. Yeah, That's okay. 11 And then New Mexico at San Diego State is $11. All right. Very good. Congratulations. Is that the first time you've won that, Daniel? The coach's hot seat? Potentially. Did I win last week? I don't know. Congratulations, Daniel Woods. We're going to take a very quick break. When we return, the National Football League will be the center of attention. Wait, wait, wait. We didn't talk about UConn Vandy. Okay. That happened. Go on. UConn and Vanderbilt played a football game. In it, I'm sorry. That was just, yeah. All right. I'm glad we got that in. Those, uh, those, <laughs> those two teams put 22 men on the field and competed against one another in college football competition. Competed is the key word in that yeah. phrase. All right. We're that's... 
that's the hundred Payton City of oh. college football. But it's brutal to our listeners in hundreds just have a knife in the back from Daniel Woods and they, they can't City. get a radio signal. Wow. Wow, they just invented the wheel out there, says Daniel Woods. <laughs> All right, take a quick break. When we return, NFL Talk, as the sports page continues on 91.7 FM U92. The soulful sounds of the blues from Memphis to Kansas City. Across the country and around the world. Hear the distinctively American music that inspired generations of rock and roll and much more. On the Blind Alley, every Sunday morning. At the corner of Sacred and Profane, it's the Blind Alley on U92 The Moose every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Established 1982. Almost heaven. West Virginia University. West Virginia. WWVU-FM. Morgantown. Make U92 your home for WVU women's soccer. Sagala crosses it inside. Sibley with the touch. Sibley scores. Isabella Sibley with her second goal in the series. She scored her first goal last week in the 86th minute. And today, it's the 84th. We'll have coverage of every WVU home match and select road matches, along with comprehensive coverage on the kickabout every Wednesday night. 91.7 FM, the best place for all things women's soccer on Mountaineer Soccer Live. Into the 18, passes it to the top of the 18. Godfrey with the shot. It's saved by Keza Massey. Oh, my goodness. What a save from the keeper. Pick up a copy of the Daily Athenaeum every Thursday morning from a newsstand on campus. The Daily Athenaeum is WVU's independent, student-run newspaper, reporting on what matters to you. Reporting by students, for students. Pick up a copy today and read more at thedaonline.com. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines and they are the very first step that let us get back to what we miss most. It's okay to have questions. Is it safe? Should I wait? Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back into the sports page, 91.7 FM. Daniel Woods, co-producer, co-host. He's at the controls. Connor Taylor is here. David Rowe is here. Liam Bellin and Dan Schuster are spectating because I do have the... Oh, Tyler O'Neill. Why do you need to be bad at the sport? Oh, the NL wildcard game on my screen right now. The Cardinals lead one nothing in the top of the third. Go Cards. Yeah. Uh, with a runner at first base, one out. Uh, Tyler O'Neill just whiffed at a nasty... What was that? A cutter? No, it was a slider. Uh, from Max Scherzer. By the way, no offense to Mad Max. You just you never get used to seeing the the two different colored eyes. Yeah, it's just something else, man. He's a, he's a he's a he's a he's a madman. He's a mad lad. That's why they call him Mad Max. 
You think so? Um, so, NFL talk here for the next hour, 91.7 FM, U92. Uh, we're going to give our quarter of the year awards, and mostly that's because there wasn't a lot that caught my eye from this last week, Connor, that stood out to me as something that was shocking. I wasn't thrilled that my Raiders had a pretty poor showing on Monday Night Football. Joey Bosa is a punk. The stuff he said about Derek Carr, who said he was upset. In fact, the word he used was pissed, which is, I think is about the worst thing that Derek Carr has ever said in his entire life. So watch out, Chicago, this week. Um, outside of that, besides the Jets, of course, getting their first one over the Titans, and that's a huge result, obviously, because the Colts won in Miami. is uh, It's going to be hard for that division to produce two playoff teams, so obviously you want to control your own destiny and win the division. The Jets beating the Titans certainly helped that. Was there anything else that caught your eye, or was that really kind of all that stood out to you as well? I mean, obviously we had the Tom Brady return, but we knew that was going to be a Buccaneer win. I guess the the only thing that came to my mind was a was a joke about Urban Meyer, a girl <laughs> catching his eye. But um, hey, oh, sports related? No, not really. I mean, the Browns Vikings game was ugly. Did you know that there's a large portion of WVU Twitter that now wants Urban Meyer to come coach here? Really? Because a they think he's going to get fired, which is not going to happen, or he's going to resign because. All, you could just pick up where Dana left off. All NFL coaches are just elite. And I don't mean on the citizens. field. Hey. Are you saying that wasn't sports I mean, he would, be, he would be better than Neil Brown. I mean, he comes with baggage, but he would undeniably produce. You would like to think so. In yeah. terms of track record, it's, it's hard to turn the man away <laughs> on the field. If Urban Meyer comes knocking, I think, yeah, yeah. Him, Saban, Belichick. That's the that's the short list. <laughs> the short list. Let's just say Kegler's will be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't need uh, to go there. John Madden. Yeah, that's also on that list. Who else? Vince Lombardi. Art Rooney. Vince Lombardi. <laughs> Dude, Vince Lombardi. <laughs> John Heisman. John. <laughs> Joe Theisman. Of course. Oh man, the Cardinals are barreling up so many. Daryl K. Royal. <laughs> Coach Tomlin. Uh, Ryan Tom Wilson. Tom Landry, Tom of those, Claybettel CBs. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to pick our quarter season overachieving team, underachieving team, and I'm going to hold you guys four games into the season to picking an MVP because I'm a terrible host. Uh, O'Connorson, he's loosed up about that. He's got so a controversial weekly pick. radio. <laughs> That's what you get here. <laughs> we got to cram it all in. All right, Daniel, we'll start with you. Your biggest overperforming team, overachieving team. Oh, you caught me off guard. You you caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for this. All right, Connor. <laughs> oh, um, I got it. 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 Cincinnati Bengals. Of course. So there's one answer to this question. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals are great. They're the top of their division. Burrow looks good. Mixon's banged up. That's I know we laugh about Mixon. That's still a big loss for them. I don't actually know what Gio Bernard out who their backup running. Smudge P Ryan. Smudge P Ryan. Just added him today in fantasy. Love that. The P Ryan piece. Uh, Once upon a time, the uh, the college single game rushing leader. Who says? You need an offensive line when you've got Joe Burrow and these great right receivers. Right, guys? Right? This is a Bengals team that's going to win this division. Right, guys? Oh, man. I don't know. The, the Browns, maybe. But, I mean, you look at the, you look at the Steelers, and, yeah, they're not, they're not showing any promise. So, I guess, I guess you could say so. There's two, two, Steelers, say, there's two Steelers fans in this room, and neither one of us are going to quibble with that. The thing about okay, the, yeah. the Bengals' upcoming schedule is you've got, I would say, a lot of Packers fans in the room would say a loss to the Packers. Beat the Lions. Ravens becomes a tough game. Obviously, a game that you want to win if you want to establish yourself as you know the divisional favorite. Then Jets, Browns, my Raiders, which I want them to be out of 
top of the division. Because I want them to crash and burn by that point because I want that to be a win. Steelers, Chargers, 49ers. Um, I, I think it's safe to say, Connor, that overachieving at this point in the season is the right word to use for the Bengals. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't think anyone predicted them to be 3-1 and one no. at this point. I mean, there was, there was times where everyone predicted Jamar Chase to, to be a bust. They claimed he couldn't see an NFL-style ball. And he's got four touchdowns, 200-plus yards, James. I believe. It would be him and and it's a phenomenal season thus far for the Bengals. We'll see if they can carry it on. But, I, I mean, they're, they're looking good right now. All right, David, your pick for an overachieving team. The only other answer I could really find for that is the Carolina Panthers. You couldn't really see them going 3-1, and one, especially with, uh, with how Sam Darnold was coming in. He's from the Jets, so it's either his fault or it's the Jets' fault. And clearly, as we're seeing right now, it's the Jets' fault that Sam Darnold did not produce in New York. So uh, just seeing their defense as well, uh, it, it just seems like er everything is there. for. It's either Cincinnati or it's, or it's Carolina that is an overachieving. Now, I, I kind of use the word overachieving to imply the fact that that team's not going to continue their run of form. Obviously, big news today for the cheap price of a sixth-round pick. Carolina Panthers acquire Stephon Gilmore. Hey, I can name a player on the Carolina defense now. All right. We can retire that running gag. Like Jeremy Chin. And Derek Brown uh, from Auburn, Brian right? Burns. Of course. Brian Burns. Um, we can retire that But gag listen now. to their upcoming schedule, though. Eagles, winnable game. Vikings, winnable game. Kirk Cousins has not been very good. Giants, winnable game. Falcons, Patriots. Cardinals is probably a loss. Football team, I would say, is a winnable game until they trade for Derek Carr at that point, of course. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, Falcons, and then they lose to the Bills, Bucks, Saints. That's a pretty – and the Bucks again. That's a pretty brutal end of the season for Carolina. That's four straight L's. But I see a chance there with uh, Mr. Stefan, who, if I'm correct, they said could come back as early as week seven, six, yeah. six, when he comes off the pup list. I don't know, uh, David, just to press you on that point, I think there's some winnable games for this team. Maybe they have a path yeah. to some 500 football. There's no 500 football anymore because there's 17 games, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess. I mean, they just seemed like a 500 team, and I think this could be a fluke, honestly, but I guess we'll, we'll just see. They're they're, you just said they have an easy schedule, um, but honestly, I just feel like th they are a 500. They should be a 500-level team, and they just decided to overachieve this year. I guess, for the first four or five games. Yeah, so. shout out Matt Rule. Yeah. Uh, Connor, any other team to throw into consideration? I think those are very, the, the two most obvious picks. I, I mean, you could maybe argue the Cardinals starting 4-0 is a little bit of an overachievement. A little bit. I mean, they could be 3-1, and 2-2, two and two, I guess, if you were at the beginning of the season predicting it. So not a huge overachievement, but definitely like sitting atop the NFC is, is weird to think about. I want to say in my predictions, we'll have the receipts because the show is podcasted, I had Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals, Rams. Boy, was I wrong four games into the season. As the Cardinals are undefeated, Matty Ice looks amazing. Matty Ice is Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, excuse me. Uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers are 2-2. Two and two. Best division in football, no argument there. Second, of course, the AFC West, no argument there. Um, and hearing none, we'll move on. Uh, underachieving teams, I think there are a lot. Whoa. <laughs> There's a yellow shot of Dodger Stadium and whatever that is, the moon. Uh, next up to our underachieving teams, I think there's a lot more different names you could throw into this. Before list we move you. on, shout out to to Chavez Ravine, which uh, the the immortal Lanny Frateri has compared to Mon County Ballpark <laughs> <laughs> on on live television. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Uh, Lanny Frateri, by the way, hated. Um, why am I blanking on uh, where the Mets played before City Field? Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium. Huge hater of Shea Stadium. He claims that. Hot dog water from the concession stands used to leak down through the roof. 
and into the press that's box. Disgusting. That still happens in Oakland. I uh, went to their stadium, and that still happens in Oakland. Yeah, also that's sewage water. So, I would rather have. I would rather it be hot dog water what, than sewage what is water. Hot dog water, like, like you, the water that you boil, boil hot dogs in. Well, they generally well, then like they, a, but there's also yeah. juice though, like the grease and the. Yeah. It's hot dog juice. They bottle it, sell it at Kroger. All right, fair enough. You can buy this show brought to you by hot dog juice on Kroger. <laughs> uh, underachieving team, Daniel. Will I put you on the spot again? Considering I had Washington in the Super Bowl, them being two two isn't great. Um, I would say so, yes. Indianapolis, I would say that defense is. I get the injuries, but that defense just hasn't looked the way it's supposed to uh, to this point. Uh, Indianapolis is one that jumps to mind. Miami is the other one, and again, it's for both of those. It's the same explanation for me, but neither one of those defenses have looked the way that they're supposed to so far this season, and with a bunch of injuries on offense for the Colts and Tua being out for the Dolphins. The offenses haven't been able to make up for it. Are the Steelers underperforming? No. No? This, this is, is what you this expected? This is as good as this team is. Okay. I mean, wouldn't you argue that it becomes underperforming when you beat Buffalo week one? That's fair. But this team is bad. Yeah. All right. David? This offensive line is bad. The quarterback is bad. I think uh, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Yes, they're 3-1. and one. But they lost the Chiefs, and you've seen the Chiefs this year. They're just not – they're not really that good. And although they just lost by four points, uh, they have enough stars on their team that they could have beaten that. They could have beaten the, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, especially with how they're playing against, you know, really subpar teams this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm just going to take the Cleveland Browns. They, they seem like they have enough players that they should have been able to go 4-0. And uh, I don't think they'll beat the Cardinals, though. They should get better. Connor? I still one of Daniel's picks and the Miami Dolphins, like he stated. The, yeah, I agree. The defense just isn't playing up to us, still isn't doing much either. And I've, I've got questions for the Dolphins. I mean, I know I expected this team to rebuild. It, I thought it was going well. went pretty well last year, but now it seems a little, little off. I know that's probably an overreaction, only four games in the season. First, uh, Luke Wiggs' homer rant of the broadcast. Why, as the Dolphins, when he was given, what was it, 65% share of the snaps in the backfield last year and was dynamic, do you give the ball to Miles Gaskin twice and let Malcolm Brown carry it eight times for 23 yards? What is that? It's like, we're behind in a game. We need somebody to make a play for us in space. Here's our running back that made plays in space for us all last year. Let's not give him the ball. I don't get it. No targets in this game. I... I had a bad fantasy week. I apologize. Alvin Kamara <laughs> had 120 yards rushing and no targets for the first time in his career and had three touchdowns vultured away by 48-year-old Taysom Hill. Irritating. Oh, that's why I lost. Okay, I have Alvin Kamara too. <laughs> you didn't look? He had 120 I yards looked, rushing, no like, targets, and no touchdowns. Yeah, I looked. I'm just, he's not himself. Because he'll rip off a 25-yard run, get it down to the six, and, oh, Taysom Hill's going to come in and carry this into the end zone. Oh, my gosh. They brutal. Should, they should make him a tight end again. Uh, Taysom they should kick him off the. Uh, they should, should make not, Alvin Kamara a tight end. They should send him to the CFL. Oh, uh, Taysom Hill, make Taysom Hill a tight end again. If Taysom make Hill gets traded team. to the Steelers, do the Steelers make the play? <laughs> Don't put that on me. <laughs> Don't put that on me, Luke Wiggs. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll hold you to that. This is recorded. This okay. is going to be on the internet and podcast form. No, they're not. Gonna no, Josh, he's too valuable. He, Sean Payton just wants to prove. It's so irritating that he's got this like childish. <laughs> I've got to prove that Taysom Hill's a great player, so I'm going to force feed him touchdowns that he did not earn. 
I mean, they're also trying to force Jameis Winston to do stuff. But I mean, well, that's a bit different. Back. You need a quarterback. You don't need Taysom Hill to come in and run red zone packages when you've got, I'll say it again, the most talented running back pound for pound in the NFL. Do you think Sean Payton believes he needs a quarterback to run offense? I don't know. And why can't that be Alvin Kamara? What is the difference between <laughs> Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill right this now? Because Taysom really Hill is not throwing. It was bad. Had. Dude, that last drive for the Raiders, I needed one catch when Carr – uh, what he, he slid forward for two yards and then threw a pick. <laughs> it's terrible. I don't know. Um, Jacoby Brissett can game manage, but he needs a running game, and that running game is not Salvin Ahmed or Malcolm Brown. That running game, to me, is Miles Gaskin. Says you. Well, yeah, it says them losing to the Colts by 10 points. I don't know. That's fair. Yes, yeah. there you go. Dolphins quarterback. Taysom Alvin Kamara traded to the Dolphins. Problem solved. Uh, the Cardinals... Had a chance to pick up the second out in the third inning, but uh, Sosa dropped the line drive. Uh, so there's two on for the Dodgers. The Cardinals lead by one run with one out in the third. Runners at first and second. I don't get that. I really don't. All right, MVP picks. Way too early, four games into the season, but I'm going to make you give me one. We'll start with Connor this time. I'll go with the easy one, Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is pretty obvious. He's he's the reason the Cardinals are, are doing well. I still think Cliff sometimes doesn't even call plays. He just says, Kyler, go do something, and – Kyler finds a way to do something, and it's it's honestly incredible the way he throws the ball and runs out of the pocket, and I think he's on pace to win MVP. Obviously, when you're this hot early in the season, it's probably not a good sign because there's going to be a QB that catches fire later, and it's more about narrative. So, uh, Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, Kyler Murray is the perfect mix of being mobile, being willing to run, and making throws, specifically on the run. Um, you know, there are throws that Lamar is limited to. I think that's held him back as he can take the top off the defense. He's got a strong arm, but it, it's the accuracy there. Yeah. Kyler Murray, I think, is right now. So the, 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 obviously, the key with him is keeping him healthy because we've seen that is what Russell Wilson could have been, but injuries have kept him to be more of a pocket passer. But I would agree, Kyler Murray, you got to go with the quarterback of the 4 0 team. That's made some unbelievable video game rookie year, rook, first year fully starting Lamar plays and Patrick Mahomes plays as well, and that's special. Uh, David, your pick. I do agree. Uh, I I had it between Kyler and Stafford, um, but I think Kyler's just Kyler's just put himself head and shoulders above. Again, you said he had something like a he's having something like a Lamar year, but he's also passing the ball where mm-hmm. Lamar kind of just ran the ball. But we'll, we'll leave that conversation out. Uh, sure. But it's it's Kyler head and shoulders, uh, almost head and shoulders above everyone else. Give, head and shoulders give me somebody other than Kyler Murray. Oh. David mentioned him. I'm going to say Stafford. I'm mm-hmm. going to stay in the division and go with Matt Stafford. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league playing for Detroit for the last 12 years, and now you get him into Los Angeles and through four games, he's on pace for career highs in completion, completions, completion percentage, yards, yards per completion, touchdowns, and career lows in interceptions and sacks uh, so far this year. So I think you clearly see – uh, what made Matthew Stafford the number one overall pick 12 years ago, which is the fact that he's an extremely talented quarterback who can make every throw in the book, who is, when surrounded by what he's supposed to be surrounded by as a quarterback of that caliber, uh, one of the very best the league's got. Obviously, Kyler Murray's having a great year. Obviously, Arizona is exceeding expectations with him under center, but Matthew Stafford, I think, is helping the Rams exceed at least my expectations almost to the same extent. Matthew Stafford's got two years. This year, next year, I'd say left in his prime, maybe three. If he gives you the pace he's on right now for the next three years, no rings, he's a Hall of Famer. 
That's tough. He's going to get a ring. I, I would, if he puts up the same numbers in the next three years, surely he'd have to. If you've got Aaron Donald under contract and they figure out their running game, because, I mean, Henderson's talented and we know what they've got at wide receiver. I mean, they're, they're receiving course so good with what they've been able to do with Cup and Jackson down the field that they haven't even used Robert Woods to the fullest of his abilities yet. I, I think if he does this for the next three years, you have to put him in the Hall of Fame because if he does this for three years, it's one of the statistically one of the best That's a good stretches point. for That's a quarterback a point. in NFL history. If, if he gives you three years of Four thousand twenty-five and fewer than single-digit interceptions is he a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. And you guys agree with that? That's that's one of the best three-year primes in league history, especially with what he dealt with in Detroit. I mean, sure. Just give it to him. He threw forty touchdowns one year in Detroit. He was on pace for five thousand yards. Uh, he what? He played the first eight games of the year and he got hurt. That's why last year he was a guy I was high on for fantasy. Just to say, guess who had him in fantasy that year? Yeah, I know. I, I had him a couple leagues. It did not work out. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will take a look at the upcoming games in week five of 18 in the NFL. Thursday night football is actually good this week, or so we think. We'll hear what our experts have to say on the other side of this break as the sports page rolls on. 91.7 FM, U92. Year two of Mountaineer soccer under Dan Stratford can be heard all season long on U92. Tune in 30 minutes before every home game and select road games as we bring you comprehensive coverage of the Mountaineers on the pitch. U92 is also the only place for talk sports radio dedicated specifically for men's and women's soccer. Find the kickabout with host Liam Bellin every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. 91.7 FM presents Mountaineers Soccer Live, a service of U92 Sports. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. Take a walk back in time with U92's own Time Warp. Tune in as we start with the legendary founders of rock and roll from the swinging 50s. Then we move along to the psychedelic 60s to be taken through the British invasion and plenty more. We fly on over to the disco-infused 1970s to hear the origins of punk, synthesizers, and more. We touch down in the electronic 80s. Is it classic rock? U92 The Moose has you covered. This is the Time Warp. Remember to tune in every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. until noon, only on 91.7. If you want the new and essential college radio, then look no further than the new music pioneer on 91.7. Every Monday through Thursday from 3 to 6 p.m., tune in to hear the newest music from up-and-coming artists, along with some of our favorite throwback tracks. That's every Monday through Thursday, 3 to 6 p.m., the new music pioneer on U92 FM. I think Jimmy Eat World should open with that song. I don't know if they do or not. I'll have to look up one of their set lists. Uh, welcome back in. Final edition of the NFL segment of the sports page. Talk they a little opened, baseball. They opened NHL 04 with it. That's cool. No, it's 03. 03? Yeah. yeah Get that's, served! That's the, that's the first song on the title screen in 03 then. Yeah, they, uh, McGinley on the cover. They, uh, 
Uh, played a concert in Morgantown just a couple of years back. Bases loaded for the Dodgers, bottom of the third inning. Trey Turner is up, and a 2-0 count. Or did he just follow the last pitch off? I wasn't paying attention. All right, we're going to run through the you upcoming call games. yourself a fan. I know. The upcoming NFL games for this week. It's a 2-1 count, by the way, as Adam Wainwright is showing some signs of wear and tear to the newly acquired Trey Turner. Can't imagine a, why. You know, old age will do that to you. Being 50 this year, is it's a heck of a drug. Uh, David, Thursday Night Football, Rams-Seahawks, not bad. Not bad matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would look at the Rams just because of how hot their offense is. The Seahawks have been have been a little bit shaky this year. Um, Seahawks are home, and that obviously uh, gives them the advantage of the 12th man. But um, I, I would I would look at the uh, Rams. I would favor them there, uh, especially with how Matt Stafford is uh, just passing the ball around like he's like he's doing. Is this a must-win game for a team that wants to win this division? A parent two and twos, surely. Rams are three and one. I'm sorry, three and one. Yeah. Well, I think I don't think it's must-win for the Rams. It's a 17-game season, so um, I think it's a must-win for the Seahawks if they want to get a little leg up on the Rams, but. Um, I think if the Rams lose it, it, it won't be that big of a deal. Obviously, it'll be talked about because of how the Rams are usually. But. You, know, you know, I mentioned Robert Woods last segment. I, I think this is a breakout game for him. I think he's an absolute weapon that uh, they haven't quite tapped into yet in what Sean McVay wants to do with Matthew Stafford and his offense. Cooper Cup having a heck of a season. Belitnikov mm-hmm. finalist this year in the NFL. All right, uh, Jets-Falcons. Any love for the Jets picking up their second win? No? Yes? Maybe? Maybe? Uh, Patriots-Texans as well is also going to be a snooze fest along with the Lions and the Vikings. Uh, oh, double play ball, please. Lord, I love it. I love it. Trey Turner just broke his bat and hit into a uh, inning-ending double play. Uh, Eagles as Panthers as well. We'll park ourselves for the next game, Connor. Uh, Jalen Hurts still looks pretty darn good, as does Devontae Smith, who I think is – the only rookie wide receiver hasn't dropped the pass yet with a certain threshold of targets, obviously, because there's some that have not been targeted. They play the Panthers. Going back to what David said about them being overachievers, if they are overachievers, this would be a game, surely, that Carolina would lose and another game that probably needs to be a win for Philadelphia as only the division winner is going to come out of that division for the playoffs. Even though they might be overachievers, I think the Panthers can win this game. I think their defense is good enough. Obviously, we talked about earlier, Stephon Gilmore won't be available to week six or seven, depending on how he gets up to speed with after an injury. Um, but I, I think the offense is, is doing well enough right now. Darnold's playing well enough. I mean, he's throwing decent amount of deep passes out of play action as well. I mean, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, is obviously showing himself that he'll probably get hired sometime soon within the year or two. And I, I honestly think they can shut down Jalen Hurts. Um, he's going to cause problems, but I, I think if the Chiefs' defense can kind of slow Hurts, I think this Panthers' defense, which I believe is better, can slow Hurts as well. One of the keys, Daniel, to stopping Jalen Hurts, who I didn't check if he's on that 4,000, 1,000 pace. I'll do that now. Uh, is he really does not have a running attack right now. I don't understand what's going on with Miles Sanders. Kenneth Gainwell has shown sparks, but... When you've got a mobile quarterback, I mean, you, you saw what uh, Baltimore was able to do with Lamar Jackson. First of all, it should be easier to run the football with a mo- mobile quarterback. Second of all, to keep that QB mobile, you have to show something else on the ground. Exactly. And as every WVU fan has told you on Twitter for the last four weeks, it's easier to run the football with a mobile quarterback. Did you know that, Luke? Did you know that? Did you know that? Uh, but uh, you know, why Matt Cavallaro should be starting this week. Exactly. That guy can skate. 
in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I, I agree with you. And I was sitting with with Liam and our very own Ben Mackey, who, as as we discussed earlier during this sports block, is currently in the wind, and uh, his his location He's wanted for crimes against humanity. His location cannot be uh, cannot be identified at this time. Uh, but we were sitting watching the NFL uh, this past Sunday, and we were sitting there, and those, they're both Penn State guys, they're both Miles Sanders guys, and they both sat there and said, "What has happened to Miles Sanders this year?" I, I agree with you. Gainwell has done some good things. Uh, he has beat out Boston Scott straight up for that number two spot, which isn't necessarily something easy to do. Boston Scott's got some talent, too. I love Boston Scott. Uh, but Sanders is not getting north-south in, in the way that he used to, and Gainwell, like you said, is just getting his feet under him. So I think as that becomes more of a timeshare, we could see things get interesting with their running game. Uh, but like you said, um, I haven't seen Nick Sirianni and this offensive staff really get – particularly creative with finding ways to run the football, uh, getting Jalen Hurts out in space, uh, using him as a threat uh, to open holes for the other running backs. So it's interesting uh, that they haven't been able to establish the run. And with a young receiving core that's still getting put together, led by Rager and Smith, I'm not necessarily sure this offense is going to show up week in and week out like they need to. Speaking of underachievers, the Washington football defense has not been particularly good, and I think you would agree, David, that that's probably not going to continue this week against the Saints. Uh, yeah, I think uh, when you have when you have Jameis Winston, you gotta ha- you gotta play defense because that's the game your defense can uh, can do something. As uh, it looks like my computer doesn't doesn't like me anyway. Um, yeah, but Washington Washington's really more relying on uh, their that partnership with Heineke and McLaurin. Uh, rather than their defense. They're relying a lot more on that. Um, and I don't think that's going to be enough to beat the Saints, who who they can be up and down uh, like like many teams in the NFL right now. But uh, but with a defense uh, that's really unsure uh, out in Washington, that's really uh, underperforming compared to last year especially, uh, I think the Saints will, will take advantage of that. Because here's the deal, Connor. Honestly, Taylor Heineke, I think, is playing well enough to win your football games. Um uh, especially with a defense that's supposed to be as good as this, uh, the front seven that's as capable as this, and the Terry McLaurin connection, who I think is commanding a 31% target share uh, with Heineke playing, um, is nothing short of spectacular. And obviously, uh, Miles Gaskin and what he's able to do with uh, Peyton Barber, I just I forgot his name. This defense should be allowing Taylor Heineke to help win them football games, but they're just not quite there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, Heineke's almost throwing 70% completions. That's insane. Which I honestly think he's – it's weird, but he's kind of playing like Fitzpatrick a little bit. He's got a little edge to And him. he takes he's, some shots down the field. Yes, he's willing to throw it. And I think the, the best thing about this is they're going against the Saints team, which I guess could be bad, but you don't know what team's showing up at this point. I mean, they dominate the Packers, lost to the Panthers badly. Even though the Panthers are playing well, they can't lose them that badly. Dominate the Patriots, and then they lose to the Giants. So you just don't know. I mean, so far it's good, bad, good, bad. So I guess they could be getting the Saints on a good yeah. week. And the Venn diagram of those wins and losses when Alvin Kamara scores touchdowns is a circle. <laughs> All right. Uh, Titans-Jaguars, we'll skip over that one. Dolphins-Bucks uh, need to start turning things around, obviously. Dolphins against a very uh, uh, well what what am I talking about? Tom Brady playing against the Dolphins, which is something he's grown accustomed to kicking them around throughout his career. Uh, Daniel, any love for a Dolphins upset here? Probably not. Uh, like we said earlier, uh, this this Dolphins defense just isn't holding it together the way that I thought they would with what Brian Flores has been able to institute there. So 
I'm really not buying this team as long as two is out because I don't see them having much of a downfield passing game uh, to create any kind of explosive plays. Yeah, this this week's almost as boring as college football that we got this week. There's just not a lot of great games, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, Packers-Bengals was not a game that was supposed to be good when the schedules came out uh, however long ago. However, this becomes... I think a very winnable game for the Bengals, but the Packers obviously have turned the corner, and I yield the floor to one of our two Packer fans. All righty. I mean, this this should be a... Should be. Should be an easy... Not an easy win, but, I mean, it, it needs to be a two-touchdown kind of win. I mean, close for the majority of the game, and the Packers pull ahead in the, the second half is how I would like to see it played, and then see how that secondary holds up against a hot Joe Burrow, especially with uh, some injuries in the secondary as well, will be the most interesting part of the game to me. I don't know, David. Part of me wants to go upset here. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I definitely agree. I think there's there's something that, you know, the secondary is questionable in Green Bay, especially if they get uh, Kevin King back, which would be really unfortunate for the Green Bay Packers to get one layer, one layer just worse just sign players back. Douglas. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's signed someone else, man. But with Jair out, he, he might be QB or cornerback one. Um, uh, but I think if their offense if their offense makes explosive plays throughout the entire game, plays a full football game, uh, then hopefully hopefully the Packers will get a win against again, yeah, a very hot Bengals team. Max Scherzer, by the way, seventy pitches through four innings. It's one nothing Cardinals top of the fourth. Uh, Daniel, your team in action, Steelers-Broncos, obviously must win for the Steelers, I think, if they want to save their season. Joe Nelson, friend of the program, will be in attendance at Heinz Field for this game. Um, yeah. <laughs> Not confident. What do you got to do to get after Teddy? I mean, you got to get around those edges, which isn't really? necessarily the most difficult thing. I mean, yeah, that, for the Steelers, it's not necessarily difficult with, with Highsmith and, and T.J. Watt, and Teddy's not – the, the young spry man that he was before his knee exploded in Minnesota. So I, I think you can get after him. Can you score the ball? I don't know. Can, can Ben me. get away from any of those pass rushers? No, he cannot. Is Teddy still going to be injured? That's fair. He, he did go out injured That's this point. past Saturday. Answer Sunday. me this question, though, because we saw Ben Roethlisberger get the ball out of his hands as quick as he has this year. Last year, the difference was – that was outside the taco box to wide receivers. All of a sudden, Najee Harris is getting 19 targets in games. I don't understand why some of those targets aren't going outside. I mean, Deontay Johnson, I think, is very good at the sport. Chase Claypool, Juju, Brad Fire, Pat Fryer, Muth. Uh, at some point, will distance himself as the number one tight end of this say, game. Who's Brad Fireman? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they just picked him up actually. Um, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand why all of a sudden we're force-feeding targets to our rookie running back behind the line of scrimmage. Again, I know check down, get the ball out quickly, but last year those went to receivers that could do something out of the, after the catch, not a blown-up backfield to Najee Harris. I was going to say a lot of that has to do with the fact that those are check downs and they're just, he's throwing it to his outlets because he doesn't have time, which is partially his fault because he's out of shape and old and can't move. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you've got an O-line that can't keep anybody in front of them, which, I mean, you've got guys that have been forced into action that aren't ready for it. You've got a washed-up Trey Turner and four guys that are in their first three years in the league. Uh, so I'm just looking at this team and saying to myself, Roethlisberger can't throw the ball down the field. If he was able to and they wanted to, they don't have the line to protect him, and they can't establish the run because they don't have the line to open holes for Najee. So... I don't see where this team generates points on a consistent basis. 
unless you're putting yourself in a position like they have through the first couple of weeks where your defense is forcing turnovers and giving you a short field. Uh, Chris Boswell, great kicker. He, he can consistently hit 50-plus, and you're going to need him to if the only place you're getting points is a short field when your defense sets you up in that situation. At what point in like week seven or eight when the Colts have just completely given up in the season, is there a bidding war between the Raiders and the Steelers for Quentin Nelson? To get interior line help. It'd be hilarious. Uh, the Raiders, speaking of, play the Chicago Bears this Saturday at 4 o'clock. Um, offensive line has been the biggest blemish against my Las Vegas Raiders this year. We saw that uh, on Monday night with Joey Bosa and the unkind things he said about my quarterback. Um, so you're going up against another elite pass rusher in Khalil Mack, but you also got Justin Fields, who uh, in the majority of playing time two weeks ago completed six of 20 passes. Justin Fields, who was named the starter for the remainder of the season. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, I was about to say. Um, I think, by the way, Connor, uh, underrated, I think it was you, underrated, liked tweet. I, I, I want to go back and try to find it because I liked it as well. It was... Matt Nagy after Justin Fields takes oh, over. Yeah, I can uh, read it. I'll find it. Yeah, if you can find that. Uh, but, David, yeah. we'll go with you because I thought that was pretty funny. I I've, I want to stay optimistic and pick a win for my Raiders here. I mean, you got a double-team Khalil Mack. By the way, Alex Leatherwood, Khalil they drafted. Mack, huh? uh, yeah, I know. That would be crazy. Yeah, but we, be beat, cool we beat Khalil Mack in London uh, last year. Um, yeah, we tried to get him back in the offseason, but Yannick Ngagwe and Matt Crosby are also pretty good. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, by the way, who we drafted to be our starting right tackle, from what I understand, took reps today at left and right guard. Uh, with that being said, I'm still picking a win for the Raiders here. I would pick a win for the Raiders, too. I just don't think the Bears uh, are really competent. Uh, no one in their, uh, o- on the offensive side of the ball is competent at all. Not the coaches. Like, maybe Justin Fields is. And David, uh, David Montgomery's out, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's even, yeah, that's even worse. They have, they have Four zero weeks ability to do anything on offense outside of what, whatever Justin Fields is going to do. Maybe Darnell Mooney will show up or something. Uh, I like to think that Allen Robinson will get involved in the sport at some yeah, point. Yeah, maybe he, he could, but I think the Raiders should be favored just because of the lack of offense that uh, that the Bears have. I mean, they have a defense, but you know you can't. You have to score points to win a game, and I think the Raiders will probably do more of that than the Bears. I like to think so. Did you find that tweet? Yeah, so this is by uh, Roger Sherman. Shout out. Of the, the Richard's Ringer. brother. And um, I guess I guess for context, because Justin Fields is named the starter now. This is before. Yeah, this Nagy is Davis. Was, was insistent on not naming him. He said February L.A. The Bears have just won their first Super Bowl in 35 years. Justin Fields admires the Lombardi and his MVP trophy. As the confetti falls, a reporter asks Matt Nagy how they did it. First of all, he says, "I want to be clear that Andy's our starter if he's not hurt." <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. All right, I, 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 I'm picking a win for the Raiders. Got to keep uh, Khalil Mack off quarterback, but uh, Josh Jacobs is going to be healthy for this game, uh, et cetera. Uh, Browns-Chargers. This is a very intriguing. This might be the most exciting game to watch. Two teams are going to air it out, rip the ball down the field. Uh, Austin Eckler had, what, 150 yards rushing against the Raiders, had 180 yards receiving a couple of weeks ago. He'll probably throw for 200 yards in this game. Uh, and then you've got... Uh, maybe he can play quarterback for the Saints. Maybe maybe he can play quarterback for the Steelers. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Anyways, uh, you've got the, the two-headed monster rushing attack of the Browns. Um. To me, Daniel, this might be the most exciting game. Like I said, uh, of this week, who do you have? I like the Chargers in this one. Uh, I am not buying in on the Browns, even though they're three and one. I just don't really see uh, it coming together for that offense. I'm lower on Baker than the average guy. I, I would assume. I'm just not a fan of what he does. I don't think they've provided him with the weapons for him to play above his head at all. And defense is great in terms of 
Miles Garrett. I almost said Miles Turner. Miles Garrett. And, Big and Miles Turner. Got the it. The defense is great in terms of their playmakers, but I don't know that they hold water overall. I, I like what the Chargers are doing. Um, what I said in the preview for the NFL uh, this year when we were talking about the Chargers was they need secondary help and they need linebackers to emerge, and, and I was pretty sold on them, and I think that started to happen. Offense is great with, with Herbert, obviously, uh, leading the charge. Eckler's a great running back who can do it all. And even though Mike Williams didn't get going on Monday, uh, the the receivers are pretty outstanding. So I like the Chargers. It's really nice to see Derwin James play well, and be healthy, because we know he can play well, but to be healthy. I mean, not nice as he got the game-stealing interception against the Raiders, but very talented lad. Uh, Cowboys-Giants, we'll skip over that one. Connor, 49ers-Cardinals, first loss for Arizona, question mark? I hope so. <laughs> I, as if we go back to our... Our receipts. I think I had Cardinals last in the the NFC West in our preview show, and I I think Shannon's a good enough coach to make a team that I think currently isn't obviously playing as well as the Cardinals with their record. I think he's gonna come in this come into this game with a good game script, and hopefully show that Cliff Kingsbury is not the uh, the hot coach in this uh, NFC West with a bunch of, um, I guess like geniuses offensive geniuses per se david your thoughts um i think the cardinals have a full team like it doesn't seem like any major players are injured all 53 yeah all like it, se- it seems like they just have whatever made them four and they have all of that whereas San Francisco <laughs> 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 crack analysis <laughs> i don't know but but whatever made the Niners two and two they don't have all of that <laughs> there you go clip that <laughs> Jimmy G's injured, so <laughs> Jimmy G was injured, so Trey Lance is going to come in. I don't know if Trey Lance is going to do as well as... I love the way you said I don't know if Trey Lance. Yeah, Trey Lance. I mean... Uh, I don't know if Jack Dakota. Allison is going to turn it around. <laughs> he's from North Dakota State, so... Um, Ooh. But anyway. I'm not Slagging throwing, off the Jackrabbits here. Not, right, Jackrabbits? Bison. 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 Shoot. Yeah. South Dakota State. South Dakota State's the Jackrabbits. I don't know how... Remember they were going to beat WVU in basketball. I don't know how y'all know that, but Okay. Uh, but they don't have they don't have a hundred percent of their players, so I think the Cardinals are going to win with 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 everyone they have. All right, I'm glad we got that on the record. Um, <laughs> I I concur. I I, I co-sign everything that man just said. I, I guess I misspoke because Bills and Chiefs is Sunday Night Football, Daniel. So that's going to be the game. Uh, the majority of people's eyes are on the two teams like to throw it down the field. Uh, two teams stumbled a little bit off the gate with the Bills obviously losing the Steelers and the Chiefs uh, for the first time in like since like. Uh, 1863 are not at the top of their division uh, in the Andy Reid era. Um, So one of these teams needs to pick up a win, and the other will continue in mediocrity before, obviously, their inevitable rise to being a playoff team. I like the Bills here. Uh, We've seen Patrick Mahomes make mistakes through the first few weeks, and uh, a lot of that can be chalked up to just the the nature of the way that he plays, the backyard football kind of style that he plays. But I think also you have to factor in that this is a team that lost a lot on the offensive line and he's been under pressure and you look at those key mistakes he's made and it's when he's got a defense a defensive player hanging on his back or he's rolling out towards the sideline and he's running out of room Uh, so I think that's starting to become a concern uh, for the Chiefs in this game I like what the Bills have been doing the last couple of weeks Um, I'm not going to even give the uh I'm not even going to give the uh, the the redheaded guy that plays in the slot the satisfaction of saying his name because he, he's he a redhead. Just, he just needs to go away. Makes sense. Uh, but Stephon Diggs has been great. Uh, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary have weirdly enough combined for a relatively solid rushing attack over it's the crazy. last couple of weeks. 
I they get goal line touches now, which they never yeah. gotten before. Um, yeah, Moss has been great in inside the twenty, uh, and Singletary's ripped off a couple of big runs. Dawson Knox is emerging as a tight end. I think they have the defense that can make plays. Uh, for those reasons, uh, I really like the Bills in this game. I, I like the Bills long term, honestly. Uh, even though they lost Week One to the Steelers, which looks really bad right now. Solo home run, Justin Turner, with the game tied up now to run a piece in the bottom of the fourth and nobody out. Interesting take by Daniel Woods there, Connor, that would continue to cloud uh, us picking a winner of the AFC West. Yeah, I, I believe the, the Chiefs at this time are obviously underperforming to a degree, and I think they're, they just sometimes come out there so nonchalant, and I think that might be their biggest issue. And the Bills are, are not a team that you can just – hope things start clicking in the second half and they can come back from behind. And I know they do it week in and week out, and they'll probably prove me wrong this week and then make make a comeback obnoxiously. But <laughs> I, I think the Bills are good enough to team where they, when they get a lead, they can keep the lead against the Chiefs. All right, there you go. We move on now to Monday Night Football. Uh, Indianapolis picks up their first one of the season finally, uh, and now they will take on the Baltimore Ravens. Does anybody have anything other than a Baltimore win? I'm cheering for the Colts for Mark. Yeah. We're sending T's and P's to the Colts. Right, guys? Yeah, because they're going to need him after Monday. I, I think Lamar's going to run all over this defense. I think he's going to throw all over this defense. Hollywood Brown caught a pass Saturday or Sunday. What? Which was like the best catch of the season. I, I don't understand the Hollywood hate specifically this year because he's having a good season. 19, 326, and three touchdowns. Yeah. Luke, Doing good. It could be like 30. 510 <laughs> touchdowns. If I he could catch a football. Back, See, he drops a, yeah, he dropped a couple of balls. He's made some great plays this year, is my point. It's like that's, if that's Taysom fair. Hill throwing, he was a running back. Wait, what? Ah. Oh. oh, what? Easy right. there. Didn't say Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm rooting for this to be an entertaining game because when it's the only game on, game on, you want it to be an entertaining game. Carson Wentz showed me some things in Miami, by the way. Extended a couple of plays, made a couple of decent throws. Um, they're still without um, – Yeah, T.Y. Hilton, thank you. Uh, peanut Gallery. Uh, but nonetheless – Disembodied voice of Liam Bellin. <laughs> Liam Bellin from the great beyond who probably wasn't on microphone. All right, that's going to do it for the NFL segment. Connor, thank you. David, thank you. No trivia questions this week. Good luck to the Packers. Good luck uh, to the Raiders. I would like to say one more thing. Okay. okay. With the game you're watching, okay? Behind the plate is umpire Joe West. He's retiring. He started in September of 76. He started umpiring that long ago. So. He's – at, at his job. He's not yeah, a young he's, man. He's old, and uh, but he's a legend. He has a bunch of controversies. So he's bad at the yeah. sport, and it's a shame that he's behind home plate. But he's retiring. So he is retiring. Thank there goodness. There you go. Shout out to Shout Joe out. West. We hate you. All right, take a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk a little baseball. We've got uh, the diner coming your way at 10 o'clock, so tune in for that as the sports page rolls on at U92 The Moose. Take a walk back in time with U92's own Time Warp. Tune in as we start with the legendary founders of rock and roll from the swingin' 50s. Then we move along to the psychedelic 60s to be taken through the British invasion and plenty more. We fly on over to the disco-infused 1970s to hear the origins of punk, synthesizers, and more. We touch down in the electronic 80s. Is it classic rock? U92 The Moose has you covered. This is the Time Warp. 
Remember to tune in every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. until noon, only on 91.7. U92 The Moose is your home for the best sports coverage you're going to find here on the campus of West Virginia University. It all starts on Wednesdays from 6 to 10. It's the Sports Block on U92. From 6 to 8, we're talking WVU sports with a tilt towards on-campus coverage. From 8 to 10, it's the sports page taking a look at all the national stories you want to hear the U92 sports staff talk about. Then, at the bottom of every hour, tune in for breaking news on all of the top stories in sports by members of the U92 staff. And finally, live sports on U92 The Moose are the bread and butter. Tune in for coverage of both WVU soccer teams, women's basketball, baseball, and WVU hockey. Live on U92, 91.7 FM and U92TheMoose.com. You're not going to want to miss any of the sports here on U92. Final segment of the sports page. We've got the diner coming your way from uh, 10 to midnight, if I'm correct. All the greatest thing. I believe it's a hip-hop show. But regardless, you're going to want to tune in because it's quality content here on 91.7 U92. Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, final time. Special thanks to everybody that joined us today. That was David Rowe, uh, Connor Taylor, Liam Bellin, Logan Moore, uh, Patrick McCabe as well as Sports Night. You can hear every week from 6 to 10. WVU talk from 6 to 8. And then, of course, the sports page from 8 to 10, which you're listening to right now, or podcasted wherever podcasts can be found. And thanks for our uh, small but strong audience that's uh, taking a liking to those podcasts. All right, Daniel, uh, baseball, Major League Baseball. As it stands right now in the NL Wild Card game, 1-1, uh, with two outs in the bottom of the fourth. Wainwright looking to work himself out of a bit of a jam. Well, the bases are empty, but he just gave up a game-tying home run to Justin Turner, and the Cardinals scored their run. Uh, Tommy Emmons scoring on a Max Scherzer wild pitch. If Wainwright gets out of this, you got four innings out of Wainwright of one run ball, and I think that's that's what you should expect. That's when you turn to Genesis Cabrera <laughs> to hit somebody in the face. I mean, you let him go, but the leash becomes short. To give up seven runs the first seven batters he faces. By the way, just as a side, Wainwright earned a new contract for the Cardinals. They gave ones to him and Yachty, one-year deals. I'm sure if they continue to come back, it'll be one-year deals. But $17.5 million. Oof. <laughs> that's a wee bit they too much. Did they qualify him, or is that a straight-up offer? Straight-up. Okay. He's resigned seventeen and a half million. Interesting. Way too much money. I mean, he had a, a he'll money. get a couple of uh, a Cy Young votes at the bottom. Obviously, by the way, a lot of Cardinals will get MVP votes in Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Tyler O'Neill because they both had a great last two months of the season. Um, the Cardinals, if no, they no get out of this for inning, Harrison Bader. No, in the, in the MVP uh, no. Uh, Matt Beatty just popped up to Molina, so we're through four of one run ball, and like I said, that's about what you could expect from Adam Wainwright. Great job. Hats off, Cardinals. Uh, are used to winning wacky playoff games, so they're not out of this. Neither are the Dodgers. Who Thanks have for the reminder. Too many guys. Um, too many guys for the Dodgers that can make this a four-run ball game with one swing of the bat. Uh, real quickly, Red Sox beat the Yankees yesterday. I know Nick Severini was listening to this broadcast, so Nick, if uh, you want to turn off your receiver, I completely understand. Nate Valdi might be the most underrated game, big game pitcher He's in baseball. Good. In 2018, remember that six innings of relief he had in one of the World Series games? He struck out eight, went five and a third, got the quick exit after he gave up uh, his only earned run to the Yankees. Garrett Cole, for whatever reason, last four or five starts of the regular season was not any good. 
was not particularly good in the wild card game either. He gives up three runs, only goes two innings. Nate Evaldi just came in. Max Effort, Cole, just for whatever reason, had a hard time locating his fastball. Um, the Red Sox took him yard a couple of times. Some key additions, obviously, Kyle Schwarber hit one of the big ones. Um, and the Yankees walked way too many uh, players in this game, if I'm correct. It was seven walks uh, to the Red Sox, who in this game walked none. So there's your ball game. Exactly. The renaissance of Evaldi over the last couple of years, of course, didn't start in Boston. Because he had that great really, World Series and signed right. a huge extension. I, I thought that was a terrible move. Well, I'm trying to find it now at this moment as the Pittsburgh Pirates fan in me when I was in high school made like a blog post about the Pirates trading for Evaldi to try to get him as like a reclamation project. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it would be insane for what I wanted them to trade for him however many years ago, for them to even offer that now would be absurd. It was like Evaldi and a prospect for like Stephen Brault hmm. in like 2017, wow. which is that's where his value was. And mm -hmm. now all of a sudden he's winning wildcard games and getting massive extensions. Yeah. So unfortunate for the Yankees, you spend all that money and you drop it in the wildcard because Tampa loses three or four of their best players and just reload. It's something else. I would have picked... Tampa regardless in the first round of the playoffs, but they're playing a, an opponent from their division in the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, as good as Nate Evaldi is, he's not their best pitcher. It's Chris Sale. Uh, so the Red Sox, without question, go into a very winnable series now against Tampa. And by the way, they brought this up on the broadcast. I'll bring it up as well. Everybody thought, including me, that the Red Sox were going to play 500 ball. In fact, I think I said they were going to play five sub-500 ball, except Alex Cora, who said, you guys aren't giving us enough credit. Uh, and credit where credit is due to Alex Cora. Um, hey, here's... Here's high school Daniel Woods, 2016, August 2016. Love that. I was a sophomore in high school. I was getting ready to start my sophomore year of high school, and I wanted the Pittsburgh Pirates to trade Tyler or Tyler Brault, Stephen Brault for Nathan Ivaldi and a then prospect Tyler Wade. Huh. All right, poorly aged. Um, Would have been great for the Pirates. Can we mention one more thing before we get off the air? Yeah, you're absolutely right. One more thing before we get off the air. Uh, playoff percentage wins to win a championship. What's the playoff percentages to win the World Series came out? The Dodgers have the number one percent chance to win the World and Series the this year at twenty five percent, which makes me wonder because the next closest is thirteen. <laughs> it's a couple of teams. I think it's Tampa and one or two teams out of the American League, which makes me wonder what does it go to for the Cardinals if they win? Well, the Cardinals were two. I know that's what's crazy to me. What was that number going to be if they were in a regular series? Like forty. That's insane. How can you say that a team has a 25% chance to win the World Series if they're in a single elimination you know, game? Winner-take-all game. That's, it's crazy that's absurd. So a lot of people are going to lose money. You're not getting good odds in the Dodgers to win the World no. Series because that wild-card team is a good way is a good bet to take because their odds are so low because they have to right. start with a single elimination game. Crazy to me. Um, Max Scherzer's thrown 81 pitches through five innings. Which that's a lot. to me makes me think that he can't go past the sixth now. He Probably can, not. but then you risk. I mean, you got to win this game, obviously, but it blows him up for the next seven days while the old man recovers. Uh, Wainwright's much more efficient, but he's going to have a much quicker hook, surely, than Max Scherzer. Uh, and with that, that's uh, going to wrap it up for the show. Go Cardinals. Um, I'm going to hurry home and watch this game with Kyle Wiggs, who's probably asleep in, a, in his uh, uh, easy chair right now. I was about to say easy chair. Yeah, I couldn't sign the word of it. Uh, Lead-off single for the Cardinals to begin the fifth. All right. Special thanks to all the people that made this show possible. Daniel Woods, who's behind the control, he's podcasting the show as well. I encourage you, if you missed all or part of the show, 
if you missed all the show, you wouldn't be listening to this right now, uh, to go and seek out our podcast wherever you get yours. Spotify is where I listen. It sounds crystal clear, uh, and Daniel Woods is a big part of that. This has been The Sports Page, 91.7 FM, U92. Cue it. Radio since 1982. WWVU FM, Morgantown. 91.7.